All right, man. I'm ready when you are. I'm All right. When you are. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another edition of Beyond the Album Cover, where we get inside the entertainment industry with those in the know and give them their flowers while they be while they're here to be celebrated. I have with me right now, this man is a part of music history, not just Philly history, but music history. His dad, one half of the production songwriting duo and artists in their own right, McFadden and Whitehead, ain't no stopping us now. If you go back and look at all of the records that came out of Philly International, they've had a hand in either producing or writing those records. And he, along with his brother, came out with an album back in 1994 called Serious off of Motown. And their song Forget I Was a G was on the Jason's Lyric soundtrack. They came back out with Your Love is a 187. And he also done writing and producing for many artists to name. And he's here with me right now, ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Kenny Whitehead. Kenny, welcome to Beyond the Album Cover. Well, man, well, well, well. It's my pleasure to be here with you, Mr. Mason. <laughs> you know, I, I'm laughing because I know I called you that when I first spoke to you, Mr. Mason. I just want to be real. Real formal, you know, the, the respectability like politics and everything like that, man. I appreciate you taking the time out to do this interview with me. The pleasure is mine. You know, I'm, I'm glad to be here on Beyond the Album Cover, man. It's, it's, you know, you, you, you really have a rich... Uh, a rich platform here of some good for some good music and good artists, man. So I appreciate you. Yeah, I'm just trying to and do so what... the rest on, on behalf of the whole Whitehead family, you know. Yeah, I appreciate it. I'm just trying to do what Quest Love is doing, but just on a smaller scale. So shout out to Quest, Laida, Unpaid Bill, Sugar Steve, mm -hmm. Fontigolo, you know, from the crib, NC. So shout outs to Quest Love and the whole QLS crew. Definitely, yes. definitely. Yeah, so let's sure. go ahead and dive right into it. So, born and raised in Philly. What part, what side of Philly? Originally, North Philly. Um, you know, my father's from North Philly. My mom is from Uptown. And you can basically say I'm from everywhere. I lived everywhere in Philly. For, for I've lived a lot of places for a good stretch. And then outside of Philly, North, you know, South Jersey for a while when I was younger. So, I've been, I've been you know, you're going to I'm gonna say from West Philly because I've spent some of the years there. So all over Philly, in Germantown, definitely I'm, I'm claiming because I became, you know, I, I went from teenager to man in Germantown. So North Philly originally, but you know, I'm claiming I could claim all of Philly, mm, honestly. So, so being in the different parts of Philly, is there a distinct feel to when you go to North Philly or you go to West Philly? I, I, I. I I notice differences, you know, and that might be because, you know, I'm, you know, I know the, know the area and the, know the lay of the land, like, so, but it is a different style. It is a different style. It's almost like saying Brooklyn and Queens and, you know, the way they can tell each other uptown and you're an uptown guy, you're from Harlem. You can, I could tell that from Philly. You know what I mean? I could tell the differences. Mm, now, when people from Pittsburgh come to Philly, could you tell right away that, oh, they're from Pittsburgh or they're like, oh, those are folks from Philly, because I'm sure like every city and every state, they have their own distinct style that distincts them from the other, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, Pittsburgh, um, it's it's not too much of a, you know what I mean? It's not too much of a contrast, of course, but you can, you know, you can tell when somebody's bringing some other uh, flavor for the, to the table. I remember, I remember we had a, a show in 
Pittsburgh. One, well, few, but one particular show. It was, it was, it got a little crazy in there, but it was cool. It was cool. <laughs> it was. I said Pittsburgh. I said Pittsburgh get live down here. <laughs> it wasn't. It was. It was. Um. Well, you know, they wanted to. They wanted to brawl at the show. But then, you know, while we were while we were singing, they started something started, and we said, "Yo, you know, y'all can't chill for the whitehead brothers." Y'all, they was like, "All right, we'll chill for the whitehead brothers. We'll chill." But when we went in the dressing room, they was like, <laughs> "We like we." After the show was over. They yeah, were at it. yeah. So it's like we gonna either win the fight outside, or we though, can win the basketball though. game at the park. That's that's all about <laughs> it. But I know from <laughs> Philly, Philly, they produce toughness. Because when you grow up in that type of environment, you're going to be tough, especially if you're playing ball in the pickup parts. No blood, no foul. Tough, tough city. Um, small, but tough city. You know, you know how it is in Philly. It's a small, but tough city. I mean, everyone says their city is either this or that. And th- it's all true. You know, every every city has had has its, uh, you know, its, uh, I guess, prestigious places and um, high-budget uh, high environments. Some people have their uh, more well-to-do areas, and some people have, you know, the hood, as we say. And and and, the, and Philly in the hood, the hood is a hood like everybody else's. But, I mean, I guess, you know, we do have a – well, it's a boxing city, too. We box a lot in Philly. You know, it ain't nothing for a six-year-old girl to put the pads on it, da-da-da-da, hitting it like – Floyd Mayweather or something, you know, and that's our culture, you know, in Philly. So, mm-hmm. you know, we, we just, it's a tough city. It's a tough city. It's like, it's a fighter city, but it's a lot of love there. It's a lot, a lot of people give Philly the rep because, you know, we say city of brotherly love and they, oh, it's a lot of this in Philly and people don't want to see, it's just a small place and everybody knows everybody. And that's when it gets a place is small, you're going to get that. Yeah, because I know when the Eagles won the Super Bowl, it was like half of Philly was like, finally. You know what I mean? Well, I had I had a chance to, you know, play it. I had a chance to uh play a part in that in that uh in that ballad. Um I know I know it seems like we got a teeny bit of a delay, but you can hear me though, right? Yes, One sir. Time. Yeah, so we might have a two or three second delay, so I'll wait when I'm you're you're good. You're good. Um, okay, good. Well, you know, you know, my father used to do. That's the theme for the Eagles. Ain't no stopping us now. You know their song. So that's been a theme since '79, right? Um, when the Eagles were playing that year, I think that was '17. First, they were playing, and they were getting kind of hot, and they were doing a little something. And I'm just like, wow, we really got a pretty good record we probably like nine ten and you know ten and and then we um start playing I say you know what you know before the playoffs and everything it would be really really I think my dad you know which my dad and his partner are both you know no no longer with us and I thought to myself wow man they would really jump my dad would jump on this I know for sure as part you know what I mean and they would make their presence known as they've done with the Phillies um as they've done with the Sixers you know, uh, and especially the Eagles. So, you know, him not being here, I, I, I just, he just spoke to me and said, yo, you gotta, you gotta do the song up to date. Because when he did it, he changed the lyrics, you know, it was like a dub plate, you know what I mean? Mm. He changed the lyrics for Dick Vermeil or whoever, you know what I mean? Dick Vermeil was at the, 
at the time. And he did it for the Phillies. He talked about the Philly fanatic and, you know, he rewrite it a bit for the Eagles. So in the Phillies or whatever, in the Sixers. So I, um, I got my hands on, it took me a minute, but I got my hands on, on, you know, the music without, you know, you people think that people like us just because it's your family, that we're sitting around with a catalog. Oh, let me get that instrumental or let me get that acapella. And, we don't we don't be having that crap either sometimes, you know, mm-hmm. because it's, you know, they're masters and things like that. But make a, a short story long. I, I started developing that song while we were playing. And you know, I kept the faith. We could have lost any day, but I kept developing the song. I started putting I, I finished the song. Then I was doing a rap at the end. And a lot of my people that know Eagles, they were like, yo, you got to put him in it. That's my man. I'm going to play it for him. Put him in the rap. And you know, Fletcher Cox, you know, this person, Ronnie. So I, I finally was like, all right, I'm done, because I kept redoing it and changing it and tweaking it. And meanwhile, we're playing week after week while I'm developing the song. So we lost to Dallas, but I didn't give up. I kept playing. So one day, my little brother goes down to Chicky and Pete's where we were doing a pet rally, snoop, snooping around with the song. He didn't see anybody because I wasn't in Philly. Then, then he went down to Fox 29, and he passed it off to someone just going in the building. And they remembered me from an award show, whatever, real quick. We'll talk with, that's another thing, Philadelphia Musical Line. And, and they asked my brother, can he come down and do this on TV? And I was like, hold on, wait a minute. Wait, I wasn't ready for all that. I, I wasn't ready to come get my usher on down there. I just, I just wanted to, um, y'all to play the song because I know it's the theme. And, but you know what? I said, that's what I asked for. So let me get myself together, make sure, you know, I'm not I'm not always out there like trying to sing and beat like if I was that would be a failure because I haven't been trying to make it since the 90s you know I produce I do other things I chill like you know what I mean so popping me up to be like perform sometimes I'm you know I'm like wait a minute but I went down there jumped on TV and that was the game that determined if we were going to the Super Bowl and I redid that singing on TV and then we actually went won that game and then of course we won the Super Bowl so that's how I continued the legacy of Ain't No Stopping Us Now for the Eagles. Wow definitely a great story and real quick sports take and then we're going to go into the music. Your thoughts on Doc Rivers coming to Philly to coach the Sixers? Oh man I think that's I, I don't think that's bad man I don't think that's bad what do you, what do you think? I think that's pretty cool. Um, I think? think that's a good fit but I also think it's championship or bust because if they don't make a deep run I think it's either going to be Embiid or Simmons, it's going to be like today, him or me. Do you want him or me? You know what I mean? You was talking about Big Bub, weren't we? <laughs> yes, 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 we were. Shout out to Big Bub in today, man. Definitely big shouts. Now That's Big with, Brother right there. Yeah, big now brother. with you, growing up in the industry, when was it that, that first time that you realized, like, oh, I'm from a legacy and being around Gamble, Huff, Linda Creed, Tom Bell, everybody that came out of Philly International. You know, it's like, it's it's, it's sort of weird because, you know, I've tried to answer this question a couple of times, but I think I have a better wrap-up because it is kind of, it's kind of weird when you don't know, when it's sort of like, not saying, because some people mistake growing up around there, it's like me growing up with some silver spoon in my my. Oh, a grown like one of the Kardashians or something. Now nah, we were in the hood like everybody else. You know, I 
it's hard to explain because you're like, I know a lot of money got made. How was y'all in the hood? But we were around. It was almost like those those a lot of those guys were down to earth and you know what I mean, rolling around just like everybody else. And it wasn't no whole bunch of bodyguards and not everybody had a mansion and um but to see to go to see people like that coming in. Now I'll tell you this. You didn't really have to and this is probably where they why they were stars. You didn't really have to know that they have hit records out to be fascinated with these dudes. You know what I mean? Because they were rolling. They would they had swag just in general, like, you know, it's like a few in the seventies, you see the dude come in fly with the, with the shirt open and the chains and all that. He got great personality and everybody in the party wants to talk to him. Like all of these guys, there were like a group of guys like that. Like and girls and female of course, ladies, um, great writers like uh Linda Creed and my uh, my uncle Tom Bell. Of course, shout out to the infamous, you know, Kenny Gamble and Leon Huff, but in that era, I kind of just was, I was always tripping off of them because they were just always funny. They always, you know, some guys are just larger than life. And and then, of course, it starts to click. Okay, wow, we got a song on the radio. And, oh, this is, so one thing I did, even though, you know, our father never, um, as far as my brother and I, our father never, practice your instrument, get, pick that guitar up. You better, you know what I mean? Like some parents have been known to do they they did show us that I, one thing i did see growing up is that it is real and it really can be done you know that it really can be done like whether anyone did it for me or not whether i put myself on i got my deal on my own or, or audition like everyone i saw that wow you can actually be in your house one minute making up a song and the next thing you know it's it's the whole world has it and i think that was a great um platform for them to have in Philly, you know, at the time and, and everything to see. So so it wasn't like we were ever starstruck. And, and even when my dad produced Michael Jackson and, and you know, and his partner produced Michael Jackson. And and he, you know, he brought a couple of us to meet Michael. I mean it was it was it was it was dope. But you're like six, seven years old, so you just kinda getting to the age of understanding like like wow, hold up. But I do remember thinking like, wait, something's going on here. These guys the, like you know making up songs but I will come to the session sometimes and fill in the national so I knew like you know I want to get on a clap session but I couldn't you know I wasn't they was like no no you can't <laughs> you so know, they were like Norman Whitfield with the, with the claps I, right it had to be perfect on the claps they had to be perfect which is shout out shout out shout out to Norman Whitfield shout out to him and um and his music and, and Rose Royce and great great you know, I was actually into a lot of that music growing up, like Heat Wave, you know, mm. Stevie Wonder. I didn't want to hear that music. It was too serious for me. All of my dads and like when I was seven years old, it was too that music was just too serious for me. It was like Wake Up Everybody, the the Love I Lost, Bad Love. Like they had some serious rolling. It, it was message like rolling music and some real subjects. Yeah, and yeah, it was amazing yeah. when I was looking at the story on Harold Melvin and the Blue Notes and how Teddy Pendergrass started off as the drummer and then once they found out his vocal talent, worked its way out to the front. And that was when the ball really started rolling for Harold yeah. Melvin and the Blue Notes. You might not hear about my dad uh, a lot with Teddy's story because, you know, who was ever, it depends on who's telling it, you know, but mm -hmm. as a whole, like, you know, of course, you know, my dad 
and his partner woke wrote Wake Up Everybody and a lot of songs for Teddy and but Teddy and my dad were like were like were like this, you know. They'd always hang and I you know, we called him Uncle Uncle Teddy because he was all and then my Harold Melvin and this whole family is like very close to were very close to us too. So, you know, but like I said, um, you know, McFan and Whitehead are are um unsung heroes in a, in a, in a lot of ways too. I mean, when the song comes up, the song is bigger than life. The song is bigger than, you know, darn near a lot of artists and and that's what it, it's supposed to be. But as far as those guys, um I mean, they were to me and not just saying it's cuz my father and uncle, you know, they were they were they were legends, man, and 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 live on the streets like the life of the party. Not always like loud life of the party, but just always in the in the mix and I know people have a lot of concentrating on their own legacy to tell, but mm. you know, it's a lot. It's a they they miss a lot of parts with my dad in there because he was you know in 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 his partner you know because they were they were in the mix. They tell me when I talk to them, but I don't ever see them really speak about it on their interviews and things like that. No, 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 no salty. They got to take care of their own business. But there's a lot not there's a lot not said and told that's exciting about you know, my father and his partner, you know? Yeah, because you knew that they were always in the in the room and Ain't No Stopping Us Now, classic record, still getting played to this day, aspirational record, because I can remember them playing it right around when President Obama got elected. And it's always looked at as a song of mobility, rising and striving to do better for yourself. It's, just, it's, it's definitely a staple of that. You know, I carry the, the torch on and perform it. I performed it plenty of times. Like I said, even the Eagles thing, which I changed it, but still. Because, you know, the, you had to have those powerful vocals and you got to sing it. You know, I can't, no one can be like, you know, exactly like my father was partner or no one can duplicate my brother. Rest in peace to all three of me and my mother, you know, who actually, you know, actually trained my brother and I and put us in the business and was a singer herself. Colorado soprano opera singer, sang soul music, sang, and you know she was with my dad since she was fourteen years old. You know, mm-hmm. they were they were they were they they, were, they grew up together. You know, so you know my mom went to settlement music school, and you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah, and we definitely can't forget Bunny Sigler, a definitely important big piece in Philly soul. My my mentor, man, one of my mentors, one of my um. When people say, who taught you how to sing? I'm like, yeah, my mom could really sing. And with, you know, if you're not singing right, my mom's like from that diaphragm. Like my mom was, she wasn't like, hello, sing from the diaphragm. But she would tell you, she could do that if she wanted to. She could she could be really Mary Poppins if she wanted to. Or, but Bunny Sigler, because I had to give my mom props first, because my mom taught us how to really not be BSing. And of course, my dad was is an underrated vocalist. Like, you know, if somebody's in your face every day, like Luther or something, it's not, you know, crooning every day, you're going to be like, he's the best. But I don't think a lot of people give my dad credit for his vocals because he's only like one song you can really attach him to. But you don't hear anybody that sounds like my dad, you know what I mean? Or, right. or Gene, for that matter. There's been so many. Like, you don't, who sounds like that, you know? Mm-hmm. Um even using the runs and riffs he does, I think they ha- they were unique a lot. Teddy, unique, you know. Um, but I really think that um, you know they they um, they got a chance to 
they got a chance to shed their talents on the artists that they produce. Like when you produce an artist, you give something to yourself. Right, right. I, you def know? I definitely agree. And a lot of people felt that once the Jacksons hooked up with Gamble and Huff to do the Jacksons album, this was right around the time when Jermaine stayed at Motown and Randy came mm -hmm. in, they felt that it was the transition for the Jacksons of being, hey, we're not the same guys that did ABC and I'll be there. We want to experience writing, producing for ourselves and that kind of planted the seed in Michael's head with what was to come later with Off the Wall and then the juggernaut known as Thriller. Boom. And it's all a connection to me, you know, I, I said, I said well, well, what my favorite group was, right? Heat Wave. So, you know, that's Rod Timberton, which is Thriller, which mm -hmm. is, yeah, Rod, like, and I didn't know about, of course, I didn't know Rod Timberton. I liked that music growing up. I didn't know he'd make some of the greatest music to ever hit, hit, hit wax, you know, period, in this production. But if you listen to a lot of Heat Wave, you'll see similarities in, in, in Michael Jackson, Thriller. Dum, 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 dum. A lot of people say, oh, it's Quincy Jones. And they know, but, but Rod was, was Quincy's hired gun for a long time. And this whole crew, Patty Austin, James, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely classic. Mm -hmm. Now, if you're a true music head, then you know Cameo mm -hmm. Parkway. A lot of 50s, 60s acts got placed on that record label. Chubby Checker had records on there. But also, they benefited from a little Chubby show Checker. out in Philly by a man by the name of Dick Clark, an American bandstand. And they enjoyed a symbiotic relationship right. where it's like, right. hey, it's like your I'm artists to get the answers. <laughs> on here. So tell me about the impact of Cameo Parkway and American Bandstand on Philly, Philly music. Just, 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 it is, it was the business, you know? It was the business. That connection between Cameo Parkway, Chuck, Chuck, um, 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 Chuck, 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 I mean, I'm Chuck Berry for some reason. I'm Chucky Chuck, 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 Chubby Checker, Dee Dee Sharp Gamble, The Rays, uh, uh, man, which, you know, and then, and then so many, so many other artists, but the connection with Dick Clark really, you know, solidified you. It got to the point where, of course, you can break, you break an artist on bandstand. And when, when, a, when a TV show becomes a record company, you know, in a sense, and break an artist, then we really, it, it was really something special. And I remember, um, although my dad and, and his, and his uh, partner weren't on, Cameo Parkway, they were on Philly International, of course. I remember them on Bandstand, and their interview was so great. And Dick Clark knew so much of his Philly. So, you know, he was like, you know, he could give a great interview. And I was just actually looking at that interview. Um, you know, one, I don't know if you ever have a chance to uh, check it out or run it, but it was great. And, the, you know, performance itself. And um, I think it was just a great vehicle. Um, it was it was just my, monumental. It was a great vehicle. My mother always told me how important uh, bandstand was with Dick Clark. And um, rest in peace, man, to the to the mighty Dick Clark and, and his uh platform. And Dick Dick, Dick uh, hung in there for a long time, man, before he left us, man. You know. Yeah, if it wasn't for Dick Clark, we wouldn't have the American Music Awards. And then also, little known fact, he tried to come at 
Don Cornelius by doing his own version of Soul Train called Soul Unlimited. But once Don found out, he was like, I'm going to be the only game in town. Right. You know, Don had his, Don, now I grew up on Soul Train. You know, I grew up on, like, not watching it, but on it. Like, a lot of people don't know. I mean, if you look at me and you just be like, oh, wait, but they had a little song. You don't really know I've been on Soul Train three times. Yeah, I know. <laughs> like, it. you might know, because I ain't messing yeah. with you. You, you oh. know, yeah, I was going to say, I ain't messing I, with I, you. I'm you certified. Know, you I'm know certified. Don't. Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, I'm not yeah. messing with you, but I'm saying somebody else might not know that, that we've been on Soul Train three actual times, my brother and I. Yeah, because actually, I know a lot of people who used Rest to dance to on Jay Stat, man. Yeah, I know a lot of people who used to dance on Soul Train. They told me that Don was one that did not play. You were straighten up real quick when he walked <laughs> in the room. And when he gave you that death stare, you knew like, oh, gotta believe it. pucker up tight. Yeah, um, from the first time. So our first deal, like I said, even though it seems like a natural progression, our first deal was with feeling the national, but it wasn't a layup, you know? I got to say that because it's like, so what? If my dad was there too, I have a deal too. No, you wouldn't because my dad didn't give me a deal there. But we, my mom knew Gamble too when she was a kid. She knew him, him before my father, I think. But we um we auditioned. And the first time we might have sang for, you know, Huff, and, you know, he might have been like, yeah, ain't ready yet. You know, they need a little more time. We auditioned again and we were in and out of things. You know, my father had went to jail for tax evasion. Um, you know, thinking he had the right people to take care of him and he, and he didn't. So he had to a bit and and we were out just just trying to make it too and we had our talent my brother and i were rehearsing a guy named a fella who who i i could i credit with inventing the whitehead brothers named barry thompson because at at the house when ain't no stopping us now was out teddy 78 79 at the house in philly my brother and i would just be down in the garage and i had a little piano and like the snoopy uh, the head, the Peanuts gang would pop up when I press a key. It was a little piano. It wasn't really even a piano. My brother had a real drum set, though, because he always liked the drums. So we just be, we played, we, we made up a song about having to help my cousin all the time. We, he's like, can you help me get my coat out the closet? Can you help me get my hat? Can you help me? So we made up a song called We Gotta Help Keith All the Time, because <laughs> his name is Keith. <laughs> so we, we gotta help. I was like a, it was like a Rolling Stones jam, and you know, and people were like, "It's funny that that's kind of good," like you know what I mean. And that's the kind of first time we thought, like, where people listened to us and was like, "Y'all playing around," but that's kind of good, you know. And when we were moving from that particular spot to Jersey, like in about '79, a guy that was helping us move was a bass player named Barry Thompson. He's on my. That's Big Brother Barry. He's still on my Facebook right now. And he had these songs. Like, in between moving, he'd sit down by the box and say, and he heard us practicing. So he said, come in, come in for me. And my mom was definitely like, don't sit away from the kids. But he's such a great guy that my mom had to let him, like, work. And he taught us these songs. One song's called The Cost of Living. One was called Life is a Stepping Stone. And one is called The Joker's Wow. And it's so funny because those 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 things still apply to the day. Mm -hmm. And he, and he had political songs like my dad and them, you know, like my dad and their crew it right. Like cost of living was about inflation. And I still, and, and, he, and we wrote those songs, we made up steps. And that was our songs. That was our, that was our act for a while. The songs he wrote for us. And 
And um, we wound up doing steps and we wound up getting the deal with Phil in the national, you know, shout out to Bray Thompson. I still speak to him and, and let him know that I, to me, he invented our group by doing that for us. And 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 then we wound up auditioning, getting getting a deal in, in the early 80s with maybe 83 uh, with Gamla Huff. And then they were they were merged with Capital EMI, like you like you probably already know. Capital EMI, it was a new venture with CBS, you know what I mean? Not CBS. The Capital EMI, Manhattan Records, and we had Gavin Christopher, Shirley Jones is back out. The OJ, uh, the OJs were back out, and um, they had Bernard right up there in Manhattan. Remember who he loved? They had him, and it was a it was a cool run, and that's why we went on Soul Train first. But the but to wrap it up, the Soul Train before I digress. That first time that we were scheduled to go to Soul Train to sing our song that Bunny Sigler wrote. Bunny Sigler wrote the first single we ever had out called I Jumped Out My Skin. And it was, a, it was, it was produced by the, one of the greatest producers ever to live, Reggie Griffin, if anybody ever knows him. And he worked with, he produced Babyface before Babyface produced Babyface. But Reggie, Reggie was a New York producer who produced a lot of Grandmaster Flash stuff, The Message, Scorpio, this, that, uh, Shaka Khan, I feel for you. And, you know, a genius that could play every instrument and, and do everything. So Reggie and Bunny hooked up, gave us a single. And then we wrote a song with the a legendary Victor Karstoffen, who's always, you know, all, wrote my, my father and wrote Wake Up Every uh, ba- uh, Wake Up Everybody with my father and him. So we had two singles, Styling, which we wrote with Vic, and then I Jumped Out My Skin was our first single with Bunny. We went on Soul Train. But the thing is, when we went on Soul Train, Don was just getting back from brain operation. So if you think everybody was on pins and needles, then when Don came through from his, you know, people were like, like, don't, don't step too hard. Like you don't even want to bother him. And people were, now I didn't know how the Soul Train format went, but you would actually wait in the room unless you were just a huge star and they knew you were coming and, you know, have you ready so you can get out of there. You would have to just wait for your turn to burn like an open mic. Oh man! Yeah, and Sitting Dom in the green in room, room and not even a two-piece box of chicken. My mom always, yeah, yeah. How'd you know about the chicken? Yeah, like I said, I know, I knew. Did you people, know about the chicken? Yeah, I knew about the chicken because I knew some people who used to dance on the show. Oh, and they told right. me stories about the about the two-piece box trade, trade secret. Don had a deal with Kentucky Fried to feed his dancers lunch. I never knew they had to deal with the Colonel. I, I know Don had something hooked up with the local Kentucky Fried Chicken because that that Kentucky now it sounds funny because it's Kentucky Fried Chicken, but I think that was pretty cool. I and mean, you know what I mean? Like you know they're gonna work that off. They're gonna work that biscuit off. Yeah, stuff. yeah, yeah. Get get but, you a two piece, if, you know, three piece in a biscuit. You know, and you're <laughs> ready for that after yeah. you're dancing. And there's so many times I can say cut chicken break. Yeah, yeah, chicken brain. And listen, a lot of people, a lot of people were tripping off this, this old chain. I said, everybody had them. The baddest chicks you ever saw in your life was their soul chain. They had their chicken. And now, you know what? I got me a box because I told them, you are no better than me, nor I know better than you. <laughs> right. I said, but they was in line to get their chicken. And, you know, we had it. We had a trailer, but we had ours come in the trailer. Y'all want that chicken? I was like, hey, look, man. What you gonna eat? Uh, uh, 
uh, freaking, you know, you can't eat, you can't eat a freaking P.F. Chang's every night, you know what I mean, every day, you know what I mean, so at least he was feeding them, man, he was feeding them, and they didn't, some, I don't know if all dancers got paid to be, you know, on Soul Train, but something, like, if you have to be a regular or something to build your stock up, but mm. you were getting fed. Yeah, you were yeah. getting fed. Yeah, because I um, know. But when yeah. Don, yeah. Yeah, because I know a lot of the people who danced on the show, Soul Train was pretty much like the launch pad for what was to come later in their careers, like Jody Wiley, Jeffrey Daniels, right. Shabadoo, Boom. Rosie Perez, Boom. Vivica A. Fox, Nick Boom. Cannon, Avion Crockett. The list goes on and on of all of the future stars that yeah. got their yeah. humble beginnings dancing on the big train. I feel like a part of that, only I was just the artist, but I feel like a part of that. You know, um, Jody Wiley is the first person that comes to my mind. Jeffrey Daniels, you know, the, the original backslide, the moonwalk. I mean, we dropping some, you know, we dropping some real stuff here. And, um, you know, it was always the ice. So, so, so when Don comes into the room, he, he looks and says, he looks around, he sees my mother. My mother's always a beautiful lady, you know what I mean? Tough, tough cookie. You know, you don't get that much because a lot of people that look like my mom would only use that. But, you know, hey, I'm cute. You know, but my mom was a tough cookie and she was a hustler and she definitely was respected by all the G's, all everybody, you know. So Don came in, see my mom, hey, hey, young lady, how you doing? I'm here with my son, you know, where you are My mom had no problem with telling people who we were and what we do. Cause she's the one that got us command performance. We don't fess, we don't play around, we don't make excuses. If the power goes out, we keep singing. You know, we yeah. real entertain. You know, I was raised to be a and and this is not like something, not not to put the profession down, but this is not something I feel like. Oh, I'm just doing this to be a famous, and I want to. And if I don't do this, I'm gonna die. Now it's embedded in us from birth to really be turn us on like a switch we don't even think about it i don't even think about being famous or nothing i just like i'm turned on like a switch from my mom my dad and my brother and you know so he saw us and said what are y'all doing what way is we got to sing like he said don looked at us and said you're next and orange juice orange juice jones was on there that day i always remember who were on who was on soul train with us that day but he was doing the rain so if you ever see Orange Juice Jones doing the rain on Soul Train, that's our episode, our first episode. Um, we got up there, and everybody still was like, shh, Don is just coming back from his operation. Um, bro, we got up there, we did our thing, and he came for the interview. And, you know, he asked us a lot of stuff, New Edition, and, you know, anybody ever compared y'all to New Edition and this and that? I was like, no, we're all young guys in the business, and, you know, um, but then he said, I heard y'all could rap. <laughs> and we was like, we rap. Because, you know, we really, we rap, too. We got whole raps and, you know, everything. But in the raps on the album are not constant. They, they were it needs to be on the album. It's not like we're trying to do our best Biggie Smalls rap for you on a, we just did what needed to be done. But Jay Step, rest in peace, was was like freaking Biggie. He thought I was like Nas or something, like when we really rap. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I just got to put little checkpoints because a lot of people got us twisted and a little messed up. I got to give people wheel alignment as we go. Mm -hmm. um, 
Don said, I heard y'all can rap. We was like, mm, no, yeah, we rap. He was like, y'all can't rap. <laughs> he was like, yeah. So we was like, to all your black girls with a white hair, brother, studious K, Izzy J, sneaking under your colors, W H I T E H E A D. It's the 80s, you know what I mean? Mm. Kicking in line for the lady that we're not Batman and Robin or TJ and Tom. You know, we were funny. And, um, and man, in the middle of that rap, Don stomped his foot and went back and did a move. Like, you know, they used to get on Don about getting in that line dance. Mm-hmm. Don never dances like that. You know, and when he got in that line dance, it was, a, it was a big deal, you know. And him coming back from a brain aneurysm and everybody on pins and needles, and we made him stomp and dance on the stage and do a move. And people was like, yo, y'all made him dance, man. Y'all made him dance on that stage. And we didn't really expect that. We just bust our rap. And at the end of it, he just bust the move. And I felt like Don was so into young energy, you know, mm-hmm. and blowing up people. He was such a, he was such a, a curator of, 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 of young talent and, and, you know, such a facilitator that, you know, he had to get in on the act. So that's just number one time on Soul Train. But we yeah. got a couple more that we did. But yeah, man, yeah, which I had to I just found- tell you that. Yeah, you which I found very interesting because, you know, Don was very hesitant to bring rappers onto the show because rap wasn't his thing. And I was like, at least y'all didn't say PSK making that green. <laughs> People always say, what the word does that mean? Shout out to Schoolie D. Philly, man. 52nd and Parkside, man. That's Parkside 5-2 right there. You know, Schoolie D, baby. The first, one of the first gangster rappers, really. But not talking about killing people, but first one of the first street rappers. Yeah, that PSKB. Like Freddie Fox or or Just Ice or... Mm. That beat is still hard Classic, to this day. Though. You know, I'm proud of... I'm proud of that, man. I'm proud, yeah. I'm proud of that. I'm proud of that. Because, mm. you know, we're... Look, we're, we're small but proud town, right? You know what I mean? Like, Philly don't... Philly's the underdog. That's like when the Eagles perform. I mean, when the Eagles win, we were the underdog. We're always the underdog. The Whitehead brothers are the underdogs. Right. We we were even the underdogs in Philly, mm-hmm. which is cool. It's not like a – see, a lot of people take that as, oh, man, y'all distance or we ain't getting on. Nah, you got to take that underdog thing and build off of it. When you're when people sleep on you, you know, I've been slept on all my life. Like, a lot of people may know you and think, oh, man, you, you know, you're a legend. And you, and you you got so much stuff feeding your head, you probably got a bit. Nah, I'm no. I see the people who don't believe in me too, but I don't. I don't see them like I see the people who do. You know what I mean? Right. I don't pay them no attention, but they they try to make they try to affect you. Right. And all they do is find out like everybody else that it ain't no stop. You know what I mean? You ain't. You know. Mm-hmm. You're gonna you're gonna concentrate on the people. Who do show you love? Yeah. Right. So, what was your take once Hall of Notes exploded? Woo! Now we're talking another favorite. I mean, Hall of Notes is one of the one of the only groups that you can sit down and listen to twenty five songs straight, and they all hits. Like, you know what I mean? Like, you're gonna go for I can't go for that. You're gonna hear sad smiles. You making my dreams come true. Then you start getting in the the, the beast joints like Man Eater, and you know what I mean? It's like I know a lot of black people like that. So if you feel like leaving, they like that. But me, I like that man eater. Like, you know, I like that. Yeah. I love uh, their poppy stuff as well. Yeah, man. I like that. Man. Like, I like that in joints too. But they're all the jams. It's hard to, it's hard to choose between Hall and Notes. And shout out to all Philly guys, Hall and Notes. Proud of them too. 
I don't think I think they're un, un untouchable, man, when it comes to their music. Like incomparable. I don't I don't even compare certain people. People are always doing this versus thing now. Mm-hmm. This person versus that. It's not well, it's not always a good matchup. But they gotta pit pit somebody against somebody because people like competition. Mm-hmm. So there's this well known radio station out in Philly that goes by the calls W U S L Power uh, 99. 99. Yeah, that's, that's how you write it. So tell me about right. the significance of Power 99 and Lady B and Street Beat because I found it interesting that you all were taking what was going on in New York with Marley Mall and Mr. Magic on BLS and Red Alert on Kiss with Chuck Chill Out and just adding mm-hmm. the filliness to what was going on on Power 99. Yeah, we had, I mean, we had um, Kobe Cole, of course, the legendary Lady B, Street B. I mean, me and my, my brother and I used to live for Street B. Like, you know, we, we didn't even know we was going to be on Street B one day. It was just like we listened. We were hip-hop heads, so we listened to everything. You know, just imagine, you know, on the floor with the radio on, with the boombox on, listening, trying to tape it. You know, it's not as easy as the people, you know, people today, it's just like, oh, I'll get that or I'll see it again and I'll stream it. Or, you know, back then you had to be on time. You couldn't, you would stay home to hear street beat. It just like wind up having, hanging at your house. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Hanging at your old crib because you didn't want to go out. Or if you was in the car, you was definitely going to have it on. Um, I mean, we did street beat. We definitely, um, that was in the 80s, when, it, like you said, when it was out. So we were getting around a lot. And, and and see, our first single was I Jumped Out My Skin, but then the second single, which, you know, I told you, my Uncle Bunny, rest in peace, man, to him. He actually is on the backgrounds, too, and everything. Um, and But our second song we did with Karstoff and Stylin went bigger. Like, Stylin was number one in some cities, and Houston was number... If you were in Houston in 1984, whatever, three or four... And you know, if, if Beyonce was listening to her local radio station in 84, she knows what styling is. You couldn't live in Houston or Dallas and you ain't know what styling is. So profile. you were getting heavy airplay on the box in Houston at K104 out of Dallas? Yeah, K1, yeah, we were number one on the countdown. Like, I knew how it felt. Thanks to Mike Austin and Virgil Thomas. Shout out to them, you know, our promoters from the company. And thanks to them, they know how to work a record, man. And, that, and and thanks to them, we knew how it went. We knew how it felt to go to a city and be number one on the radio. You know what I mean? And and and, and at least the countdown. You know that meant a lot to you. Yeah, if you're number one on the Hot Seven you know? Seven, that was big stuff. And now there's an indie label that was responsible for putting out a lot of early rap records. Pop Art, Craig G put out Shout on Pop Art, Pop Art, which. He did a rap over the Tears for Fears mm-hmm. joint, which I was like, that is so hard to take Tears for Fears, rhyme yeah. over it. And this is at a time when pop and rap weren't really meeting in the center like that. Yeah. Yeah. Shout out to the Goodman crew, you know what I mean? Shout out to the Goodmans, man, you know, in that whole era with uh with pop art. Right. And, you know, because a lot of people don't know. Right. One of the big, first biggest rap labels is right there in Philly. Mm, and now you know, right there once, Philly on pop art now that's, that's yeah now by being from Philly did you catch an early glimpse of Jazzy Jeff and the Fresh Prince before they signed the job 
And did that give you guys the inspiration to really take it to the next level once they exploded with girls they number but trouble, parents just to understand right. it, then seeing Will's ascension into Hollywood with Fresh Prince of Bel Air? Our our experience with uh dad, I think we really caught up with them when they probably had uh their first major hit the I I, I don't I think they would might have been signed already because I know they had girls that were nothing but trouble out. And that was and Nona, all, that, um, that was the rock the house album. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. We did a show at Woodrow uh Wilson High School with them. And I remember Charlie Mack being there and and um, you know, and Will and and then we would wind up having the same attorney, uh Lloyd Zane Remick, beautiful guy. Um and then uh, we got with Jeff for a while. We'd go over his house a bit, and we know a few people know Jeff and linked us up. But we were trying to work on something. And then Will popped up one day. We just went to see the little, you know, we were hanging. But then later, and, and, and that was always, but I remember doing shows with them and hanging and, you know, seeing them in that era. And then later on, I, I was in, throughout uh, the first Motown deal that we had we were kind of in transitions during the second hour. We had to go on another tour. And um, I remember running into Charlie Mack or reaching out to Charlie Mack. And, um, you know, he was like, now nah, I'm home right now. And, you know, because he usually works with Will all the time or Jeff and, you know what I mean? So he was here at times. So I took Charlie on the road with us to, uh, you know, manage us on the road and do all that stuff. And, you know what I mean? So that's, that's like my whole connection with, uh, with them and of course being from Philly you're gonna know a lot of other people that know each other and like like I said you can't get any closer to them than Charlie Mack who's like who's like a big brother to me but that's our experience through our lawyer and then doing a couple shows but definitely Jeff was always cool remember he treated me to a cheesesteak one time shout out to Jeff man yep (laughs) and in the words of Mike from Boys to Men all the Philly states you can eat now settle this debate for me you're a true Philadelphian what (laughs) is the best Cheese stay spot. Pat Geno's or is it some other spot mm-hmm. other than Pat's or Geno's? <laughs> Cause I've never been to Philly, so I want to know for future. Shout out to G- yeah. Oh, all right, man. We gotta, yeah, we gotta, we gotta, we gotta, we gotta do that. Um, shout out to Geno's and, and Pat's, you know what I mean? That's that's the Paisans that's in the um South Philly, you know. Um, it's not that that cheesesteaks aren't good, it's just that they're more of a, you know. I'm not gonna say commercial, but you know they're well known. And when you when you're in the hood in Philly, you're expecting a cheesesteak you and I can eat, like and both be full. So we had a spot, Pagano's. Pagano's was my favorite spot on Old Guns Avenue, up uptown. You know, like when I told you about the house, the Philly International. I mean, the house when ain't no stopping us now came out mm-hmm. where we were living there. Pagano's was not far from there. Now, of course, there's other people that's going to come in the game, step the game up, do more, do different beef. And so I'm I'm, I'm going to have to have Mia. Um, you, know, you might have to come down for this, man. We're going to have to have the up to date, to date, who has the best Philly because we have, ex- we had Explorers Den. Explorers Den. We had Mama, uh, I think Mama Rosa. We got, all these different spots opening up and people, when every time you go back to Philly, somebody's telling you, nah, uh, Delisandro's or everybody's, you know what I mean? So, mm-hmm. you you know, people have their little flavor at a month thing. Yeah. But Pagano's always had the, was solid format. 
Like Pagano's to me, they make it the way you want to make it. A lot of cheesesteak on there, man. A cheesesteak is this big, not this big. So I'm not, I'm definitely not going to shout out uh, this Geno's or Pat's or, you know, because they, they made a name for themselves just to make Philly cheese, make us known mm. for that cuisine. Because it's really an Italian thing. You know, that cheesesteak, yeah. I know black people are known for, for eating it, but it's really in a, it goes with strombolis or calzone, some people, you know what I mean? Stromboli, mm. calzone. See, one thing about Philly, we spoil with our food. Because everybody is like, yo, New York pizza, Chicago style pizza. Let me tell you something. We don't even talk about our pizza, our pizza. Because you'll get shot in Philly if you mix my food wrong. <laughs> so people don't play with, I didn't grow up like, I didn't grow up like, yeah, this pizza is nasty. Every, all the food in Philly is good because people don't play. You don't want a bunch of complaining people tearing your shop up, then you mm -hmm. F up their food in Philly. So everybody knows not to get in the game unless you really tight, you know? Right. In Philly with the food. Yeah, because I told my wife, when we visit Philly, you could go run and the Rocky Steps. And there's hoagies too. And there's hoagies too. Yeah, I told yeah. her, you can go run the Rocky Steps. I'm going to OD on cheesesteak. I'm going to OD on soft pretzels. With <laughs> give me an Italian ice and a tasty cake and a juice from Wawa. And a hoagie. And, and that as well. Yeah. And don't forget a hoagie. Yeah, that's what makes Philly Philly because North Carolinians, we're the same way about our barbecue. Texas, Memphis, Kansas City, they say they have the best barbecue, but no, North Carolina, hands down, we got the best barbecue, even though I am in New Mexico now, I still rep North Carolina all day, every day. Hey, man, NC, baby, North Kakalaka, you definitely going back. See, like you, like you just said, it's the same thing with there, because, okay, we could argue who has the best, 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 but if you come with something that ain't even near the best, you ain't you shall forever remain nameless down that joint like this. Yeah. Like, you know, right. That yeah. barbecue is mm -hmm. expect the standard there. You yeah, know? facts. Cause um in Albuquerque, there's a restaurant called Philly Steaks. It was opened by this guy who relocated mm. to New Mexico from Philly. He gets the authentic brand mm -hmm. that is used in Philly, imported. And like you said, the mm -hmm. cheesesteak was this big around. And my wife and I, we had to split the one sandwich because it was so huge. We're like, uh, we ain't gonna be able to finish all of this. So half a lunch, half a dinner, and that's how you do it. Right. Philly, get them on every corner down there, and they know not to sell no little pencil. See, Pat's and Geno's are small. I don't know if they ever start making them bigger. And they use cheese whiz, which you can ask for. Mm. All right, so when Philly played, when Philadelphia Yankees played, um, when Philly played the 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 the, 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 uh, the Philadelphia Yankees, when the New that's why I was growing up. When the New York Yankees, and I was in New York at the time. Now I spent a lot of time, and I never like moved in New York. Like I'm leaving Philly, I'm moving to New York. I just circumstances make me, and they just had me wind up living there, North Jersey, New York. Been in Brooklyn for 20 years. I raised a daughter there, and you know all that. So you know. But I move around a lot. I was in Cali like I lived there before. I was in other places, London, this, you know, so I travel a lot. But then you say, how did you grow up in Philly? Have you been in a, somehow, God has spread my life out in all these places where I can say I've lived in all these places for a while. But um, one, one thing about, one thing about like your certain signature dish in your, in your town, you know, 
you can you can you can say like okay we're gonna move here and, and open up this thing and put it and, and put the authentic thing there but then if somebody comes there you know and be like wait a minute so it sounds like that guy you just mentioned it sounds like he's doing a real deal because i'm not gonna hate on anybody making a cheesesteak this big like this is not this is a hot dog roll that's a mm. that's a sausage roll to eat a hot sausage that ain't no cheesesteak roll. A cheesesteak roll is, is this big. You know, we should be able to break that sucker down and both be nice. Right. <laughs> you know, right. Be, be full and, 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 and unless I'm really, really hungry, thing, you know, you could. Yeah. 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 It's definitely one of those really spots no where you're going to be like, I'm not eating breakfast or lunch. I just want this one cheesesteak and I'm going to get busy with it. And if I have enough room, I'm going to go to the store, give me a tasty cake. Boom! You're gonna have your either your candy cakes, your chocolate junior, your crimpets, or your uh, or your or your or your um, or your other ticks. The whole ho I mean, I mean that's the I think that's the uh, other ones. Hostess, the whole host, but those other cakes, those little chocolate cupcakes. Uh, but I used to like the crimpets and the chocolate juniors and the oh and the peanut butter, the candy cakes. Mm. Those those three. Uh, I'll take you out for them joints. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I definitely got to keep that in mind and make my way for the city of love. love. Now, mention of Philadelphia. Um, you know, you had basketball greats that come out of Philly. You know, R.I.P. Hank Gathers came out of Dobbins Tech. Uh, yes. She Wallace came out mm -hmm. of Philly. R.I.P. And R.I.P. Yep. Uh, Kobe, who went to Lower Marion. Mm -hmm. And... Um, Richard Hamilton, he was telling a story on All the Smoke with Matt Barnes and Stephen Jackson. About, he's from Coatesville and how his school and Laura Marion played each other in the playoffs. Oh, yeah. And Kobe was giving them work. That's right. And just to see his transformation to being a young guy in the league, to come in, be that mamba, and then to tragically have his life cut so short, it's still hard to believe that he's no longer here with us. Um, first of all, man, rest, rest, rest in power, rest in, in, in basketball, rest in entrepreneurial shit, and definitely rest in family and love and, and positivity and everything that, uh, Kobe Bryant stood for. We were definitely proud of Kobe. Def Philly was definitely proud of Kobe coming out of Overbrook, um, and, 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 um, and, you know, in um, Lower Marion and playing in the spots he played and we were and going straight to the league. And, you know, he's one of the first guys who made that cool going straight to the league, you know? Yeah. And, um, yeah, because the Hornets so we originally were, yeah. drafted Kobe, but he wanted to mm -hmm. do a power play and to go out to L.A. And Charlotte took the bait and we got Vladdy Divas, I think Matt Geiger and Kobe ended up mm -hmm. going to L.A. and starting the dynasty. Now, another dynasty that started in Philadelphia. These four men went to Creative Performing Arts High, became the biggest selling, not R&B group, but male group of all time. I'm talking about Nate, Michael, Sean, Wanye, better known as Boys to Men. So what was your Wanye. thoughts on hearing the buzz Boys about men. Boys to Men, them sneaking backstage to Power Fest, singing for Mike Bibb, getting on, Coolie Out Harmony, becoming a smash. Then two came out, broke all kinds of records, and you're like, oh, these guys are the real deal. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, 
I don't know, when Motown Philly came out, and 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 some people I knew before they blew up uh, out of Philly, and you know, because we was just all around. But I didn't actually know Boys and Men before they before they uh, came out and blew up. So they hit me out of nowhere like everybody else too. So you know, Motown Philly man with the bow ties on and jeans and and that preppy look they kind of went for. It was almost like that. I think they had canes or they went for some fraternity kind of you know vibe. And but you could hear the vocals. You know what I mean? You could hear, you could hear all of them, you know, had chops. And then, of course, they had their own strengths vocally. And then once, of course, when you heard Wanye take it home, the, the, the you know, Wanye is the, 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 the power singer, the energy singer of the group. Not, not that everyone has skills in their own way and it's dope. But, you know, Wanye was the one who's going to going to light them up. So that was out. It was crazy. I was a big fan. I even followed him when, you know, when my shout out to my man MC Brains when Brains came out and, you know, everything on Biff, on Michael's, on, on Mike's label. Of course, everybody was new edition fans. And, and if you didn't, hey, if you were a guy and you were hating on new edition and you weren't liking all the guys, you just got to have to wait till they finish. Do you want to talk to a girl? Oh, you're going to have to wait till they finish fast. And then they room listening to they they're like the guys be out there like this, you know, and the girls be in their room with the posters on their wall. Yep, like LL, like yeah, and they weren't even there, and you still had to wait. Yeah, like LL Cool J and around the way girl, perm your hair, even the curly weave with your new edition Bobby Brown button on your sleeve. That's right, and I just heard that too. That's funny because you you hitting like a spike bat. Everything you mentioned, it's like either I just. Looked at it yesterday, or you know what I mean? I yeah, yeah, it. yeah. But it's like it's like body builds. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But it's funny when we did our deal with Motown in '94. Of course, they were our label mates. So now on Motown, Motown has you know boys the men who have this sort of you know prestigious. Now they're with Babyface now. You know what I mean? So now they're doing like you know, uh, end of the road and. Water runs dry, and you know what I mean. I mean, uh, yeah, and all that stuff. So you know, they stepped their game up on like a, I don't know, it was like a Rolls Royce level of music, mm. you know. And the Whitehead Brothers, you know, we were we would we were the Lamborghinis and, and the Ferraris at a, at a game, and and Boys the Men kind of put themselves. I mean, their music was like really classic, like I'll make love to you, and you know, real classic. Kind of like Whitney Houston did Bodyguard, you know? Mm -hmm. It's definitely something and, um, you want to put on when you you're know, trying we, to seal the deal with your lady at the end of the night in a classy way. Right. If you want class, you don't go to Whitehead Brothers. No, no I'm just playing. <laughs> no, I'm just, <laughs> I'm just playing with you. You know, we had, you know, we did songs like Beautiful Black Princess, um, uh, Love Goes On. You know, she needed, we, all our songs, no two songs of our sound are like any way so a lot of people when they you know hear our songs or they you know we could we could get to that album but i was going to say in 94 and 95 we were glad to be label mates the only person i really really got cool with on occasion is Wanye. you know we talk about like cars or like i remember i just bought a new bmw convertible he, he saw the drive. he was like son of a bitch like he you know he he had a convertible ben sitting there but he was looking at my joint because of how i hooked it up and you know my little my little convertible and, and, and um dope dude. I always wanted to work with him. 
you know, I always wanted to work with him. I always wanted to work with them. And, you know, but me, you know, we would just, I'm, I'm not being funny, mm. but, you know, we were the underground. You know what I mean? Whitehead yeah. Brothers is the underground. We, 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 and we like, and we like, we liked it there. We, we, we could get money anywhere we at. You know what I mean? Right. It wasn't about, this is more money, so we're doing this. We were happy. I didn't even know I was going to be an artist. Like, I was always shocked to, somebody just called, a mentor of mine called me up and was like, you want to do a showcase for Motown? While I was cutting hair, I was a barber. That's why I got my name Ken Spin. I put you in a chance spin you real quick, but I'll do it. But I do a professional job. Look like I took an hour and I do it half an hour. That's actually coming here just now. Yeah, I would gladly pay top dollar for you to uh, line this up right here. I I brought some clippers from Walmart. I told the wife, I'm like, hey, watch this video. Don't mess up my hair. Use the one and a half guard. I want square That's right. paper here. Because you know at some barbershops, you got barbers that do everything all day long except cut. And you're like, I got things to do. And I ain't paying $30 yeah. for a shape hey, up and shave for all that. Come on out of here, man. Now, two quick Hold things on, about... This is like barbers because... Go ahead, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. Yeah, 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 man. But two quick things about Boston Man. Then we're going to go into Jason's lyric, Forget I Was a G. Um, Mark Nelson, who was in As Yet, he was originally in Boston Men. But I think what ended up happening was it was moving too slow after Nate and them made a connection with Biv. And he got his solo deal, had, did remade I Want You by Marvin Gaye. And then later, As Yet came into play. Be sure to go I to bought that single. cover yep. to catch my interview with Sean Rivera from As Yet. Then also, too, Tim and Bob, they did records for Boyz II Men for two. But what ended up happening was Gerald Busby said, I want more established producers on this record. And a lot of those songs that they had originally for Boyz II Men end up getting put on 112's debut album. Yes. Yes. You know, you know your stuff, bro. You know your stuff. Number one, you know, shout out to Mark Nelson, you know, who 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 ended up, you know, of course, getting down and and with with Babyface Pebbles, LA, and getting down in that crew and and developing uh, as yet. Who I remember when their name was as yet untitled. Oh, man, yeah, I remember man, that's, that's where that name came from because it was called as yet untitled because they didn't have a title for the group, and most of them were. And I think Mark kind of, I don't know if Mark was around when all the rest of them were kind of running around and they came to my studio one time and sang for me and they were, they were looking for Brian McKnight on Unity Day by the, in the parkway where Rocky Steps are. They were looking for Brian McKnight. Unity Day was crowded. He was like, we're going to sing for Brian McKnight. So they were trying to get on. They were hungry. And um, actually, one of the guys in the group is uh, his, 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 and, and and I think I just I just connected with Sean on Facebook not too long ago, cause I always always like Sean's part too. You know what I mean? I drank your wine and yeah. you drank mine. Yeah, cause I told him when I interviewed him, I was like, your vibe was very John Sakata Latin flair. Just put some mandolin, some guitar over over him singing, matting the feet. Yeah, yeah. And then and then Mark kind of came with that baby. He did kind of have that baby. Inside the love, I don't know. 
You know, I'm not thinking the lyrics right now, right. but um, but just the vibe of it, it was it was a dope dope song, man. Like a lot lot of like, to me, I know that song was a big big hit, but to me, I I love that song, and I was proud that like they had came to my studio that I was gonna work with them, but it was just like, you know, they went you know their own direction and they 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 had a couple man. I think they the managers that brought them down there, they might have did something. So a lot of politics happened, but when mm. I welcomed them and I thought they was dope, I was like, yo, y'all. Then I started knowing them and as I see them on the streets and a few of the guys. So, but Mark, I never really got a chance to know like that. Mm. And I know what happened with him. He and Boys the Men and then he, I was glad because, you know, a lot of, a lot of people were like, wow, you know, he was supposed to be in that group. And I was like, well, you know, that's not his destiny, you know? He has yeah. his own destiny. And, and well, you know, people be like, well, you know, you blew it. You didn't get it. Man, look at him. He he came out. Okay, boys the men's boys the men. But he had a chance to come out right. and, and, and not only produce. I bought I Want You from the Shelton Hammer. I bought that tape because I like it. I saw it on BET and I went out with my own money. I was like a teenager and I bought that song. Right. And the funny thing about the Motown Philly video, it took me a minute to recognize the guy on drums. I was like, hold up. That's Questlove. And it turns out that Questlove and some of the guys from the Roots went to the same performing arts high school with Boysman. I think Emil LaRue from Groove Theory also went to that school as well. So it's kind of funny to see all these yeah. people walking the halls and not knowing that they were going to be stars. Yes. And you're like, hey, you owe me two. And they were all so lucky, man. They were so lucky, I mean, to be going to performing arts with all these people, like to be uh, walking the halls with a mill. I never met a mill before. Every lucky son of a no, I'm just. I, I never met her before. She, I don't know her, so I don't even know if she's married by now. Everybody had the biggest crush on her. Everybody knows that. You know, I didn't even get a chance to hang out with her and kick it and stuff like that. Like I was really isolated and doing some weird stuff, but I was in the mix. Like who, who did I run into early in the game? Left eye people like that, but when 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 um, performing arts was big, we were kind of running in Philly and that running in and out of Philly and the National back in that time because you know Broad Street and it was a performing arts on Brush. But I never snooped around like on the Fame on the Fame tip. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. <laughs> like you know Irene Cara Fame tip. I never really was snooping around because I didn't I didn't really snoop around schools I didn't go to. But a lot of them would walk down the streets and they knew Philly and the National was there and they know we were in there making real records and you know what I mean? So it was mm -hmm. definitely between the dance studios downtown, the art institutes and the performing art schools, there were a lot of people popping up that would be, that would wind up being, you know, who they right. are today. Right. right, and also making a cameo in the Boys to Men Motown Philly video, three times dope. Funky dividends, dope cut, and also shout out to Steady B, Coozy, the glamorous right. life. I mean, early Philly hip hop before Beans, before Freeway, before State Property. It was three times dope. Steady B, Coozy, mm -hmm. they paved the way for what was Ooh, the You got the glamorous it. life. <laughs> the Dookie Rope era, man. You know what I mean? I was, I was, you know, I, I, I grew up fast. So even in that time, I um oh, let me turn this. Uh, let me turn my little thing off. Sorry, but even in that time, you know what I mean. I grew up um pretty fast. 
So I was around to see, you know, I was in bars when I was 13, 12 years old, or six years. I don't know. I remember always being in some bar up in the, up in, not that my parents were back, but it's like Michael Jackson. You ever see the Jacksons and he was in that club when he was young. Oh, and Oh, seeing the you woman know, taking did, off her you know, clothes and you're like, uh, I'm not supposed to be in here, but for some reason I'm enjoying it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right, right. Nobody, nobody, nobody told me, you know, nobody told the chauffeur to drive me here or the, or the maid to wash me up or which golden bed I'm sleeping in. But I definitely got into some clubs, you know what I mean? I definitely got into some street stuff. But you're right. Um, but that whole, not, not in the Roots era, you know, because we, we went from Boys to Men to my, the whole era. But, the, but in between that, there was a young girl who worked in the gallery at, at a place called Trends Two, and I and I walked and I walked in there and I saw her and I thought she's like really really cute, you know what I mean, and like special, like something about her. It was something about her, you know. Um, and then later on, I'm walking with a legend, besides my brother, rest in peace. And I'm walking with Charlie Boy, who you know, Charlie Boy Simmons mm. wrote for the Spinners with my uncle Bruce Hall, and you know, Bruce Hall's brother is in Ajax. My uncle oh. Bruce Hall, who did Sadie, all the Spinners hits, uh, you know, they did Mighty Love, all the joints, and his brother is 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 in um was in Asia. Okay. But his partner, Joe Jefferson, just passed, and then Charlie Boy Simmons is another guy who wrote all those spinners hits with Sadie. And Charlie Boy used to hang with my he was like, Oh, oh gee, so he used to hang with us. So we coming from the mall, you know, chilling, and we mm. see I see Lisa. Of course, we're talking about Lisa Left Eye. And I rest see her, peace. rest in peace to my boo-boo, man. And um, I see her walking from the, from, from the store she was working at, coming home from the gallery, getting off. And, and I'm like, yeah, it's the chick that was in it. You know what I mean? She had, a, she, Lisa, Lisa always had her signature hairdo, a bang right here. She had braids coming down here, you know, tied up, ponytail or whatever, and braids coming down. She had the same hairdo. That was her same signature hairdo. Um, and I just, and I started giving a homeless guy some money. I got, started giving somebody money and I was like, wow, like she's really like a good person, you know? And then I walked up, cause she was short. I thought she was younger. Like Lisa was a little older than me. I didn't know that. Like I walked up on it, thought she was younger. And she's like, I'm an OG, man. You my young boy. You know what I mean? You my youngster. But we started talking, we became friends, um, from there. And then, you know, we we actually you know date back in the day day, but we we turned into more family. Like I got a chance to catch up with her in other in in recent times and other days, and right. you know when she got with Death Row and she ended up introducing me to Suge, and it was a lot of stuff. But you know that was my girl. I was down to do anything for her, and make sure she was make sure she was cool, man. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah, because I never knew she was from Philly originally and relocated to Atlanta until years later. And Man, before we segue into Jason's lyric, I want to talk about real quickly a group who I thought was underrated. They were a co-ed group, two guys, two girls. They were signed to Mercury out of Philly. They had songs such as Teardrops, Why, This Must Be Love, Small Change. I thought they were really dope and they could have yes. been huge. Actually, um, a fella named McKinley Horton. You'll see his name appear on, well, he's he's accredited for writing things like Gotta Get You Home With Me Tonight. All right? Well, Eugene, Eugene Wilde, Wilde uh, off the of Philly world. 
Yeah. Um, Vanessa Williams dreaming. He 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 inked Which that. Which the locks just recently okay. sampled. Oh, really? Wow. Yeah, wow. they just put out a new record. Is a joint called Miss You um, featuring T-Pain, and they sampled Dreaming by Vanessa Williams. Dope record. Wow. Wow. Well, I hope I hope I'm, you know, get the chance for these people to really make another, get a second bite of the apple. You know what I mean? Yeah, get them ASCAP, BMI, them royalties, publishing checks. Right, right. And he did it, and he did a few other things, but uh, you know, Quiet Time for Johnny Gill and all that. He did that, but he was definitely linked in uh, pretty heavy with Small Change, and that's how I knew of them. And he's the one when I was, you know, in the middle of Ken Spin cutting hair, cutting it up. Mm. He called me and was like, "Yo, you want to do a showcase? You want to do a showcase for Motown?" And that's all he had to do. He had to do nothing else because I. I took my ass right up to the Army Navy store, got Desert Storm gear for my brother and I. Um, cause I had a little paper I was cutting, so I was able to go give me some outfits and then, you know, and um I had some demos I've been working on. So I was like, and none of them none of them even made the album, but I had something and it was pretty hot. So we flew to LA. They was like, go in that door right there. It was a door like, you know, one of those bars on the door with the exit sign and those industrial little bars on, you know, you gotta open. Yeah, they yeah. showed me it was like that, a heavy door, you know. And they said, that door right there, I saw that door right there. And I and I bought some Tim's like, like maybe like this color, like with a, with, a, with this color suede, the green suede, it's funny, I got both the colors on it. But the green suede around the pad on the top. It was a nice Tim's, I gotta get those again. Um, And it was like that door right there. So I first thing they saw was a was a boot kicking the dog. I just kicked the bar like boot. So the Whitehead brothers intro to Motown was a foot in the door, <laughs> kicking in the door. I walked in there, did our demos. It was only five people in there. Like it was it was like five or six people in there. It wasn't like no, you could feed off a crowd on a showcase like, you know, oh, we got the crowd. It was just three, it was like five people. Joe Busby, rest in peace to him. Uh, I, or, or Steve McKeever, which was his part, was you know, see, you know, partner there at the time. Uh, uh Daryl Jones, who did our album, I just, you know, Daryl, Daryl's the man. Daryl's done a lot of things since then and had a lot of positions. Um, Daryl's just getting in the game then too, and um, Robin, our video uh, uh, con connoisseur, she did a, she did the video at Motown. So yeah, I just kicked in the door, bam, we went in there. I didn't even think, you know, I was really thinking that, you know, they might be like, I will pass on, you know, I didn't know. But it was like, you want to sign them? I'm like, you know, you don't really know, not all artists, like it seems like with the artists we have today, and all, you know what I mean, all of the, you know, the swag and all of the rapping and the brat, you feel like everybody knows how good they are. But mm. I've always wanted to be shocked. I just try to do the best I can. I don't think about how good I am. I like the people to tell me, yo, no, no. Some people have to actually wake me up and be like, no, bro. Like, cause I want you to be on point. That was good, man. You know what I mean? Right. It, was, it was great. Right. And cause when you don't have an ego, that could be an artist's ego sometimes could be the thing that, you know, propels them. But when you're humble, and, every, and when you're an artist, everybody, somebody's going to call you arrogant and all that, so no matter how humble you are. I've heard it about myself, and I don't remember ever saying a mean word to a kid, a female, a, anybody, a, a man, 
it was like, I want to talk to the girls, but F you, man, you a man. I'm nice to every, I remember people's names in cities when I came back and they come to see me. I'd be like, oh, your name is, you know, Vincent. And you're like, wow, you remember my name? Like, that's what we pride ourselves on being down to earth. So anybody out there who ever got the wrong impression about me or you was arrogant, I'm a very serious person, I'm a very busy person. You can't fart around with me like everybody else, but I'm very humble. And I'm very attentive, you know what I mean, attentive to people and very, I remember leaving London and we left the show, the last show we did, and the bus is pulling off. And I see, and this is like the last time we've been, little did I know this would be the last time we, you know, have been to London in 20-something in years. And, you know, my my brother can't come back with me, so it was his last time there, period. So I see, the, you know, we had to give out the flats. You know, yeah. the, they're not the album cover, but they look like the album cover. You know what I mean? They got the flats. So we leave them, pull up. The driver's trying to get out of it because I guess he's been waiting in there all, all the time for the concert. And, you know, he's getting paid to do that. So we're leaving off. And all I look on the side of the bus, I just happen to look on the side and I see all these people with, 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 with um you know, the flats and trying to get autographs and everything like that. You know what I mean? Mm. And I was like, I told the bus driver, I'm like, stop! jumped off that autograph everybody jumped off but we signed as many autographs 30 40 50 whatever as we could before we left and i know well you're see this is where we gotta stop being so fickle as people because people think well if you if you ain't nobody and you need to promote you better sign them or you think if you're big and you're huge and you're a millionaire ah there's always they're always there Every time I want to turn it on, there's someone wanting to autograph. Every time I understand that, but people gotta understand. I got the energy. I got the love for that. It doesn't matter how much money I got. Mm-hmm. You'll never know how much money I got. Like I could be sitting on, you know, seven hundred million, eight hundred million, you know, almost a billionaire, whatever. You'll never know because I'm always gonna make time for people and be the same. And I know that's corny to people I know that's played out and I know celebrities feel like I had a very busy day today I was going to be on time for your interview though I had a haircut I had to do this I had to do stuff in London I didn't got no I called you to you know how I called you and was like yo yeah. we on schedule we on point yeah you know if you had been like nah I need like 20 minutes I would have took it but guess what I wasn't playing around with you because it doesn't matter how many people you interview how big your platform is you're a supporter you know what you're talking about. You're a great person. You're a kind man. And that's all you need right. to be down with me. It don't matter how many subscribers or viewers people got. On. But big up to your platform because it's getting it's getting bigger and you and you are interviewing some hot, some some real hot people. Yeah, yeah I, I appreciate I it. And, and, you know, with celebrities being this way one minute, another way, another minute in certain cities they will check you to make sure your boo-boo don't stink you know what i mean that's right definitely and please do not think that everybody right and i hope those people out there don't think that everybody that's broke is humble and everybody that's rich and successful they have the right to be lofty and and that and i gotta tell the people this you have to have patience. You can't think because, yo, this person isn't 
well-known, 10 Grammys. I know you're a millionaire. I've seen your house on TV. I don't expect for you to DM me back. But if I call somebody who I don't think is that big, I expect them to DM me back. Yo, you got to have patience, too. You never know what anybody's going through in life. You don't know if people dying in their life. You don't know if they're about to die or what they're going through. With us, it's like you could, you could, but you, you have a certain vibe to yourself. You'll get more than an average person. For all the bloggers out there and the, and the people who want to start platforms and stuff, like this, like, 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 take, take a blueprint from uh, Darrell Mason, take, 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 take a blueprint from, from you and just know what you're talking about. Just be real and you'll gravitate the right energy. Don't mm -hmm. shoot for the celebrity. Don't shoot for the name. Just shoot for knowing what you're talking about. And the real people in the business will sniff it out. You know what I mean? Right. Mm -hmm. Soon as when you open your mouth, we'll know this is something real from yeah. a real platform. That's worth me being. Because if you only had one interview alone, I still would have been your second because of the way you came at me. And and of course, when when we got talking, I saw how many people, like some of my friends and everybody that you really are, you know, getting a hold to. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I definitely that was, that appreciate, was, appreciate the um the props. So Forget It Was a G in the series album. How did that get placed on Jason's lyric? Did you do an advanced screening of the movie to kind of get a feel of what to write? Or did you already have that in the can and somebody behind the scenes went over to the label and said, hey, we want this placed on the soundtrack? Yeah, I didn't get an advanced screening. Um, Man, it's some other story, and I and I and I try to tell these, I try to tell these stories, and tell them only the positive parts of things, because you know, um, but I was kind of, I don't know how far I was into the album. One eight seven was already done. I think we had forget I was a G. We already had the budget, and then my my brother who I did one eight seven with Errol Johnson, he was like, you know, we started working on forget I was a G. And um, we did that. And then I was almost finished. I think the LGD came pretty late, even though it was second song on the album. But I told my A&R guy, I said, listen, in between albums, I want to work on soundtracks. Because I, I, I always thought, like, people remember your songs if they're in a movie. You know what I mean? People right. Always 90s was songs. the pinnacle for movie soundtracks. Yeah, yeah. So I was like, um, you know, I want to get some songs and some soundtracks. And I started doing that. And like I did a song with Latifah, my, me and uh, my brother and I did a song on the Walking Dead soundtrack, uh, this and that. Um, so he popped up like, yo, they got, because I think Ed Eckstein was running that, Sam Sapp, uh, a and guy was running. And my a and guy, I happened to play that for them. And they was like, yo, I want this on the soundtrack. Can I get this on the soundtrack? So they wanted it on there, and I and I already put the seed in it. I already put it out there, and um, he was like, "Oh man, it's just so funny! You said you want to get on a soundtrack." I, and then he was like, "Yo, they want to get out with a G," and I was like, "That's cool, but that's our song because see, what people don't realize is, is you can get in the middle, you can get caught in politics. It seems like the more the merrier soundtrack, my out, but some you can get caught up because what." That was cool, and I agreed to that. And then I got a little layout of what the movie was about a little bit, but I didn't get a script. Like, like I've gotten scripts before. But 
we were supposed to be on Black Men United. Oh, really? I did not know that, which was written and I believe produced by D'Angelo, by the way. Brian, Brian McKnight, D'Angelo at the helm and Brian McKnight, I think, um, did did something. But but it was D'Angelo's, basically, D'Angelo's joint, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't know D'Angelo. This is how that went. Because I'm not ashamed to talk about it, because I'm not talking about anybody. I'm just telling the truth. And I don't have any, I don't have any one to blame it on because me back then I was a keep it moving type of guy. Mm-hmm. It'd be a little egg on your face and I'd be like, all right, pack it up and keep it moving. That's how I always got to the next level, not always. But sometimes you gotta put your foot down and 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 and, and, and you know, tell people don't jerk you around. But the thing was it was like, oh, we want the Whitehead brothers to be in it. And um we came up to New York. I remember it was a studio. I forgot exactly which one. But we were in there shooting pool. Everybody's hanging out waiting for their part. D'Angelo never came out the studio. Or if he did, I didn't see him. Brian McKnight probably came out, I think, was shooting pool for a minute and came out and saw us there. Um, Ed Eckstein, who ran the project, was there. And our manager was there or whatever. And we were just waiting for our part to come in. And we waited and we waited. We waited and we waited and we waited. And somebody came out and was like, uh, you know, y'all ain't gonna be on it. <laughs> wow, just like that. And I was like, I was like, we can't even. That's how it goes in this business. I'm not naming no names. I ain't doing none of that. Protect but, the innocent. You know, I'm not even blaming on D'Angelo because I don't. Yeah, I don't even know if that was D'Angelo because I never met him. I don't know. At X time, ran the ran the spot, so I don't know if it was whose call was it. Or if you had them like, I don't want them in it. I don't know them that. Oh, we didn't know. But I felt like I was set up because I didn't ask to be in it. You called me to be in it. And I hate when somebody call you for something and diss you. Mm. Yeah, man. If you ask for something and then you get dissed, that's one thing. But when somebody put take you out your way and then still diss you, that's kind of that's kind of foul. Yeah, that's mean, almost kind of like how Carrie when she went to the prom and then had the bucket of blood dumped on her. You don't want to be in that situation where they're like they're all gonna they're laugh, gonna at, laugh you. at you. They're gonna laugh at you. <laughs> yeah, you don't want to yeah. be in that situation. And it was like a bit of a feel. Like, yeah, we was feeling it a little bit. Like, man, well, that was weird. But I always taught, I always taught my crew, whoever, I, because. Not not to toot my own horn. When it came to us going on the road with 20 people, this people, my, this product, I always take, I always took the reins. You know what I mean? Mm. And um, when it came to that, me and my brother were real. Oh, because number one, we're not who people, right here is the Ain't No Stopping This Now double platinum album. I, had I was to about get to ask you, a, what was that, what was that plat? So that's what that is, right? I, I, I had, yeah, that hasn't been in the family since then though. I had to, I had to retrieve that right there. From somewhere. Wow. Yeah. So I mean, listen. Who wants to hear all this negative stuff and this and that? I wish it was like people thought it was, though. You know what I mean? I wish my life was how people think, because I'd be chilling. I'd be, I'd be, you know, I'd be, I, I'm still chilling. I'm, I'm great, but I'm just saying I would have been chilling. Right. If my life was like that. I would have been to the point where I've got so many associations and, and foundations open up, which I'm still getting to. But I would took that money and did something with it besides feed my own because you see i've been living off what we've been living off of for years and we still are right we're good mm-hmm. and um yeah. that's 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 the that's the thing about it though but what i was going to say is we we when they when they said like you know 
you're not gonna be on Black Men United. And they came out and just said that. We just packed it up and went. Because one thing I was always aware about is not showing my ass like in in excuse me, in the business mm. like I would in the street. So right. a lot of people, I'm saying in the industry right now, a lot of you have been spared. They haven't seen get down or lay down, <laughs> Kenny. Spared. We don't play where I'm from. Like people play around, but I know if I beat your behind under that mixing board, you're gonna spread rumors about me. Don't work with King Way. He crazy. He's gonna beat you up if you don't understand what's going on. Yo, and it's so fast. It's so fast, you'll get gripped up. You're not even ready. So what we are are peaceful people. But what we are are peaceful. My dad, a hippie, he was just peaceful. My brother, all of our music. Me, I'm going to tell you, yeah, I was a little bit more of the mean one, but you can't catch me being mean because I work too hard and I'm too nice to people. So it's hard to get the meanness out of me because of the way I roll. I'm not messy. Being messy causes you to do something and be mean because you're messy. I'm not messy, so... Yeah, but we never we but what the console the in that Jason's lyric story the constellation we we, we packed and this is how I tried to tell people we sucked it up. Mm. Next thing you know, we have to get out of the G. You'll notice it's the second song on the album, and that it's almost in the movie like two or three, three times. You know what I mean? Mm. Because that was really I mean, it's only right that Black Man United was first on the album as much dough as that cost and as big as it was and it was a hit and the dope song. I would have liked to even be in there with the earphones on without even a lead, but I don't know what happened. I don't know what's going on. Maybe if I meet D'Angelo one day, I don't know if he'll ever remember that, but right. those little things you just gotta... But my my thing was I kept it moving, and I felt like when people think of Jason's lyric, they think of Black Men United, but they think of Forget I Was a G. Yeah, that whole soundtrack was fire. I mean, If Trouble With Money by Mint Condition, Rodeo Style by Jamika, whose mom, whose Jamie- mama, Jamicia. Jamicia, whose mama, and Nesby from Sounds of Blackness, and her granddaughter, That's right. and Nesby's granddaughter, That's right. Harris Bennett, who was on American Idol right. a couple years back. So that whole soundtrack was dope. Now, Your Love is a 187. The title alone, when I first heard the song and the title, I was like, Hmm, that sounds like they're going for Jodeci Diary of a Mad Band with that. Did Jodeci kind of have a lot of an influence on Forget I Was a G and Your Love is a 187? Because it sounds very Jodeci-like. Well, Forget I Was a G doesn't sound like Jodeci to me. It don't sound like nothing they got to me. Because mm. it doesn't. There is a reason why 187 sounds like Josie. There is a reason for that. It's not just biting. Because you don't want it. Well, you know, I don't know. Like, let me see if I want to tell it. All right, well, I'll tell it like this. Because I don't want to tell it in a way. Number one, let's get this straight. I'll, I'll tell the story. But number one, the Whitehead brothers love Josie. And it seems like that anyway. But it's like, y'all love Josie so much. It sounds like seeing in it. What we're getting is, what we're getting is, when we hear something like, you know, wait, well, that's my guitar uh, with the string missing. But if you hear now this, now number one, Daryl Pearson played a lot of the plays the guitar work on. Devontae is a genius. Let's get that straight. In my opinion, I don't know everybody feels the same way too. There's nothing I would say other than that in public. I big up. 
Casey and JoJo, superb. Dalvin, mad, mad, mad creative, and all of them make up a great, colossal, massive group. So why would I, I, when we had so much other music to offer that didn't sound like them, that didn't sound like that. Now, what we're talking about, let's break it down. We're talking about a wah-wah. Watch, I played wah-wah since I've been playing guitar. So it ain't no getting around. Number one, we got a song called 187. It's an L.A. kind of based, you know what I mean? Code 187. You know, right. 187 on an undercover cop. So it's got to sound loped out, you know? Very West Coast. One way and it wasn't really cool. I had to do the music. Yeah, I had to do the music over. Why did it sound West Coast? Because of the wah-wah and that high move, right? The Dr. Mm. Dre. Nobody said it sounds like Dr. Dre. But what everybody heard was this. But a wah wah, right? Mm-hmm. Low out of tune, right? Just mm-hmm. those three little chords. Wow, wow, wow. Because Phoenix comes on. But number one, that's 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 Pearson. Have you ever heard of Daryl Pearson? Of course. If you know all of the face records, he's on there. Of course, because you know your stuff. All <laughs> right, right. Because I was gonna say I can't ask you like. I'm not testing you. Can ask the public, I know you're but all you over. Can't ask me, but I'm... not a... <laughs> right. But not. I'm. 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 I'm it, was a, it was kind of a rhetorical question for you, but yeah, we're bringing yeah, his name yeah, up. Yeah, so yeah, that, yeah, yeah, yeah. But Daryl Pearson put in a lot of that work with the bass and the guitar and stuff. Now, I gotta damn. All right, I'll put it like this: When we were doing the album, we were supposed to do a song called Doggy Style. Okay. Mm. And it was by a guy who did. Sh- Shaniqua on my album. You heard Shaniqua on the album? Yeah, 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 yeah. And I produced another song with him called Turn You Out. Who I, I wrote all of Turn You Out, but I let him produce it with me. My man Roy Dog. He's like a mentor of mine, too. He went to Berkeley, everything. He's dope. Um, he did a song called Doggy Style. He gave it to... And this is just something that I... Like, you know, he he told me that Jodeci was supposed to do that song. Um... They had it for a while. They said he was going to do it and this and that. And I'm not, I'm not, I'm not saying that this is, you know, true or not. But he played the song for us. They never, they didn't never do it. They just, just fell off. Say, it went, just sat. Know, went ready. Yeah, it just went ready or sight. But the song was a hit. It was dope, especially the production. Now the production was like, boom, boom, right? You know the way that I like it. Doggy style. And it had the template. All right. Nobody was doing that. Never heard nobody triple up to kick it. An R&B. Never heard nobody do that yet. The one, two, one, eight, seven. Boom, boom. Crap. Boom, boom. Never heard nobody do that. Okay. Mm-hmm. Not really. Now, irresistible. But we were supposed to do that song. They didn't never do it. We was lined up to do it. I, I was in the studio cut with Portrait with Mike Salisbury doing doing the Steve Arrington remake on my album. Just, just a touch. touch. Yep, just a touch of love. Dope, dope remake. We were, we. Thank you, man. Thank you. Thanks to shout out to Eric and Mike Salisbury and Joyce Talbert from the Good Girls, man, for 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 doing that with me and my brother. We out in West Bumble Screw of a studio. Mm. A, a, a lady, a young lady walks in there 
pretty much LA type of chick, you know, the whole look looking like yo yo with somebody with the light eyes, you know, typical LA walks right in there and says, stops our session and says, We want to talk, we want to talk to you. And then we like, listen, y'all can't do doggy style. My guy who was writing, our guy who was going to produce it the next day, who wasn't there, he used to be with my husband. They used to write. He used to work with MC Hammer. They all, MC Hammer is a dancer. They all went and got with Shook. They broke up. So my guy started doing the songs on us. We had another song we never did to on the album. So we never did Doggy Style. We were supposed to do it. He was like, y'all can't do it. Because in other words, we on some gangster stuff, and your guys over there producing all the songs we wrote together on y'all getting budget. Mm-hmm. See what I'm saying? Yeah. So he's like, so they wanted doggy style and they was gonna do it on somebody else. So they, and I was like, yo, I love the song, but it ain't worth nobody, you know, and I appreciate y'all sending, cause I'm sure it was like 30 gangbangers outside. They just mm-hmm. sent her in there out of respect for the Whitehead brothers. Right. You know what I mean? And they ain't even know we was G like that. Right. They just sent this in there like, cause of our vibe, you know what I mean? They was like, we love the Whitehead brothers. So I was like, yo, I stepped to my man, of course, because I was pissed. I'm like, yo, man, you had people running up on my session like that. Like, they could have came in there like 15 deep, and I don't know nothing, you know what I mean? And I'm just like, what happened? So we wound up not doing the song. So I still forgave my man and wound up doing Turn You Out, which a lot of people love that song. I wound up doing that song with him. The original Doggy Style sounds like 187, all except for the Wild Wild. They wound up doing it over on Above the Rim soundtrack on DJ Rogers, but they had to reproduce it so you don't hear the production. You understand what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. That I got 187 off of. The guitar is... I always played a Crescendo Wawa, and you know, and, and all that. And when I played the test it out on it, I could have been like, yo, let me move away from that because it sounds like Jodeci. But it sounds like Daryl Pearson, who I personally had a chance to see perform in the studio because when Usher was like 14 he invited me to uh um excuse me he invited me to Hit Factory and was like Devante was producing they were doing Whispers and that song If My Heart Could Speak you know the mm-hmm. album off of Usher's self-titled album yeah. dope album yeah yup 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 they were doing Whispers and I saw Daryl Pearson lights down and you know, Devante's in there on his vibe like on his wizard joint you know and um and I was supposed to do a song with Devontae for Dangerous Mountain. I, we had a mutual friend, Cheryl Conningsburg. Shout out to Cheryl Conningsburg. Me and Devontae was even, he was even talking about trying to sign me. And he was like, her when, this is after 187. So he wasn't like, yo, nigga, y'all bit off me. You know, he was like trying to really mess with me like that. But um, I saw Daryl Pearson up in the corner playing on Whispers, you know, because the bass is in it. If my heart could speak in the, and it was so sonic. The session was so dope. It almost like changed my life just seeing Daryl Pearson there playing like that and the guitars. And of course, uh, you know, Devontae got, so you might hear R. Kelly a little bit on the, you might hear different elements. Cause I like, I like that. But the thing about 187 is I got the basic format for my man. And I thought me, and I thought that forever my lady, now this is personally, this ain't no diss to Devontae. Right. I thought forever my lady and all those songs sounded different. When he got my man joint, Dyer and Madman beat-wise and kick-wise and all that sound like my man shit. Because you not was going to not hear that. You couldn't resist trying in it if you heard Doggy Style, the original. That's why my man is in 
the church. So he don't he don't be pulling. I'll be asking him, yo, where the original doggy style at? What's your demo or whatever? Because I want people to hear what one now as far as the guitar work of Daryl Pearson, not Devontae, which Devontae approved it to, of course, to go on his record. So it is in a way Devontae's production. But as far as that's concerned, I could see how people, but I wanted to look it out anyway. I was going to put YY anyway. So that's how I kind of wind up saying, but if you listen to different elements and the, the high Moog line, that's like a Dre line, you know, and then mm-hmm. we got, but the beat ain't fiending it. But why would I do that when I knew everybody was going to say, because I don't give a two flying Fs. Right. And I'm not a biter because if you listen to my whole album, you listen to Beautiful Black Princess, do it sound anything like 187? No. It's more on a no. Stevie Wonder tip or something. Yeah, 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 you know? yeah, yeah. So I took that risk because I'm a savage out this joint, and I'm not, I'm not one of these other artists out. I'm not one of these other artists out here. I'm just, I'm happy to either just like be. I'm, I'm shooting. I'm, I'm come out. I'm come out shooting. So it seemed like we went at that throat. But if they ever went, but that's why because I felt like Devonte bit off my man because this whole next album sounded like my man's production, and they never sounded like that. They didn't sound like that until they heard that. That's the first time I heard that sound. From my man, mm-hmm. so, but he, he, you'll never, nobody ever probably hear it or, or if you don't get the joint. So that's why. But it ain't no hard feelings against right. Joe. Like I love KC. JoJo's like one of me and my favorites. Uh, JoJo's like always one of me and Johnny's favorite singers. And like I said, I consider. I think Devonte was gonna put me on a dangerous line soundtrack, and I, but that's just me keeping it real, man. Right, I just yeah. had to keep it real about yeah, this. It's, it's all about, that's what we do here on Beyond the Album Cover. It's all 100 now. Going into the remake of Just a Touch by Slave, did Steve Arrington get to hear the remake and get get the cosign? I made I made sure I made sure on through Facebook. Cause I didn't know if he ever got his money or check or whatever, you know. So I made sure I let him know who I, I, I introduced myself on Facebook to him, and he actually responded to it, you know. I guess and but um, you know, nobody personally was like, you know, hey, let's make sure we take care of uh, Steve. But I'd make sure I reached out to him because I I think Steve is like not even just oh that's the jam oh that's the jam that's the... no like nobody's things like him. Who sings like a freaking airplane? Like, like mm-hmm. he sings like a freaking airplane. Like, nobody has that feeling. No, I mean, Keith Sweat, of course, with, with the tone. But he, Keith Sweat doesn't sing like him. Keith Sweat may sound like him. Mm-hmm. But Keith Sweat doesn't sing like him. Right. Another standout cut off the series albums for me was Sex on the Beach. I was like, whoo. If this song wasn't on your Slow Jam mixtape, along with Come Inside by Intro, you were losing out. Rest in peace, Kenny Green. And that that album, Rest in Peace to Kenny Green's memorial was yesterday. Um, who I got a chance to meet. And I got a Kenny Green story too. But Sex on the Beach, man. And 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 okay, if you hear Sex on the Beach, you might think that seems like you're ready. You know what I mean? Different chords, but same feel. You might think R. Kelly. That reminds me of R. Kelly. You know what I mean? But there's no story behind that like it is with 187. Yeah. But Sex on the Beach, I wrote that song, produced it, whatever. Um, I used to drink that drink. Yeah, I was always, you know what I mean? Right. I said, let's have sex on the beach. I was like, oh, sex on the beach, let's have sex on the beach. I used to like that drink. So I used to, as so I made a 
the song about it and just made it into really having sex with but you got it kind of got that metaphor you know right. I was telling my daughter about the music that she was, you know, what popped up. And I was like, what's that? She was like, I, she was like, you made a song called Sex. She told me that today. Too. But you, I said, but it's clever. It was a drink. Yeah. It wasn't like WAP where it's all out there. You had to go look yeah. for the dirty stuff. It wasn't all in your face. Yeah. Like, like for Come Inside fans, you're like, when he says Come Inside, is he talking about my house? my car right. um, the right. restaurant he's talking about another coming inside and it ain't no restaurant where a billion is served right exactly the wordplay exactly. was clever in 90s so, r&b 60s 70s 80s r&b where you had to dig for the real meaning of the record that's right i said don't ever compare me to people who who, who just be like let me stick my ding in it Suck my, you know, and, and ain't thinking at all, and no clever metaphors or nothing. It's just like, oh, that's easy. I just tell somebody what I want. I want to, I want to do this, you know. So, I mean, which can be cool. Being to the point can also be, he get a rise out of people too. Mm-hmm. But I just feel like, you know, we shouldn't, you know, we should have some type of artistry to to what to right. what we're doing. Just right. try to, you know, bring, think a little, think a little bit, you know. Just imagine if everybody. I guess if something works, more people are gonna try it. Mm, so you know, it's like a renaissance. Whenever something works, yeah. Mm, so was there a sophomore album already in the works, or how come we didn't get a follow up to Sirius? Right, a sophomore Motown album, because actually Sirius was the was the was the uh, the sophomore, and then you know, because we had what what no yeah Sirius was the so what that would have been our June no June that was the junior. That was the junior. So it was the soft, serious. We did have a, um, we do and did have an album in the cut. I haven't heard it in a long time. Um, I have an idea of where it may be located because, of course, I wasn't privy to just run out with all of the masters and everything like that. But we got a, um, you know, we have a, we have a, we have a lot of songs in the can that nobody's ever heard before, and I I don't get a chance to just be like, let me listen to the second album, like like in like command performance, but it's there and it exists, and there's some songs out there, some of the same writers, some of. I wasn't, I didn't never feel like I finished it, you know. So you felt it was more like really a ru- like, like a rough demo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I felt like I needed a couple more bangers on it, just to secure it, like like I did. The, last, the first album, I didn't do all that, like, okay, I'm going to do 187 first. That's the first album. Didn't forget out. You know what I mean? That's the second song. Forget out. He came at the end of the album, damn near, and then wound up being number two and on the soundtrack and being one of our biggest songs. So I like to leave, leave you know, leave things open, right. open now, for, you know, su- surprise. Right. So how did you end up hooking up, getting on the Harry Roll album by the Barrio Boys? And I felt that album was so dope. It was the earliest appearance by Fat Joe, who was on I Get mm-hmm. Lifted. This was right mm-hmm. around You Got a Flow mm-hmm. Joe. And I felt yep. had that album been released around 97, 98, when Backstreet and NSYNC was popping here in America. Yeah. And they yeah. would have been huge. And it was definitely before Ricky Martin, Mark Anthony, Enrique exploded with the Latin boom here in the States. Nah, absolutely. Um, through my old manager who 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 knew um Joe Jacket, um I was looking for, you know, people were hearing the sound 
and they kind of were like, you know, I like 187. I want to, oh, I like this song or that song I was doing. And, you know, when I came back, I was in Cali. It wasn't just about Jodeci and all that, or my man, but I was in Cali and that influence, period. You know what I mean? So that's why I was kind of like, you know, you hear more. And, you know, when the LA sound a lot in there because I was out there and, they, and, and people wanted that sound. So I was like, I had a couple demos that I had. I was going to do those for me or Johnny or, you know, up and down or leave the lights on. So I had demos and they liked them. So they wound up coming to Philly and, and we wind up, um, and we wind up, um, you know, cutting, cutting a couple songs. And, you know, it's so funny. You mentioned Fat Joe. He even, he, in one of his recent songs, that was a few years ago, he broke out and was like, your love is a one, eight, seven, and started singing it in the middle of his rap. And and um, somebody I know saw him in the airport at All Star Game and said that about and and, and said, yo, you know, you mentioned Kenny White. He was like, oh, he's a legend. You know what I'm saying? Fat Joe's a cool, cool, cool guy. His podcast is really hot too. Shout out to Fat Joe. You know what I mean? Shout out to one of my favorite rappers, Big Pun too. You know what I mean? R.I.P. Big you know, Pun. B.X. And also um, another vocal group from Philly that I didn't mention. They had a song on. It was a movie soundtrack. I can't recall the movie, but it was four guys, uh, Voices mm-hmm. of Theory. I remember them. Yeah, yeah. they had to cut Say It. Voices and I think of Theory. they were signed to Jelly Bean Benitez Ola record label. Jelly Bean, Jelly Bean, the, the, the infamous man. Um, I remember like when I first heard of Jelly Bean, like with, with, with Madonna and, and or, or um, Sidewalk Talk. Remember that one that he mm. had, Sidewalk Talk? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love my 80s, man. And I love my I love my 70s and I love my 80s. Because, you know, when I was in the 80s, I was coming around the age of understanding. But we had groups from Mount Philly, No Question. Remember mm. No Question? Yeah, yeah. Um they 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 were they were coming out pretty big. And they, and you know, believe it or not, Drew Hill was it's out of Philly, like with the management and things like that. You know what I mean? With Hawk mm. Islam, um, I think Hiram, Hiram Hicks and Island and all that stuff. Mm. And it's so funny because we're going to talk about Jodeci and people talk about, you know, me, nobody ever get on Cisco about sound like Casey. Yes, they do actually. But you want to know something funny? Go ahead. Go ahead. So when you hear Cisco, you're like, oh, he sounds like KC. You know, because that's the, that's what people's brain thinks and that's what you're supposed to do. But, I was down in Philly and I walk into the studio with my compadre, Faith Evans, and we walk in the studio because, you know, we, we was just in the, in, the, in the spot where I recorded. And Cisco and Jazz is in there. And um, Cisco's like, yo, you know, this is that. And I knew who they were with and everything. He was like, yo, beautiful black princess, man. That's my song, man. I sing that song. I even studied the huh and the ha, and I don't think you hear me. You, hear his, you ever hear Cisco say, I don't think you hear me? I don't think you hear me. He was like, well, I said that on that. He was like, I even studied that. And because I was like, I don't think you hear me. Whatever. I was stupid with that. I was always riffing when I was young. But, um, and he was like, and it was a, it was a world with it. It was Larry Ghost Studio. And he's like, you, can you play it for me? Can you play it? And he took out his camera. And Faith is sitting right there. And, I, you know, I played it for him, broke it down. Then they played us Tell Me, their first single, mm. before that came out. And, you know, 
it was open. He taped it, and he, he taped me singing. He played that, and then they left, and me and Faith looked at each other, and, and, and she was, and she was like, "Yo, you been going up?" And I was like, "Yeah, man." I was like, "He sounds just like KC, but they can sing, man." And that was a hit. She was like, "We was like, word, that's like that's going." Yeah, and the so, funny thing you mentioned about Tell Me, I was on social media a while back. Um, Stanley mm -hmm. Brown, he had posted a little mm -hmm. snippet on, I think it was IG, and he played mm -hmm. the demo of Tell Me, and he had, I think it was Aaron Hall doing the reference for Tell oh, Me. Oh, wow. Pre or was it Joe? And touched it. I think or it was, was it I think it was Aaron Hall, but I also heard, too, that Dave Hollister. Oh, okay also demoed uh tell me as well so i thought that was kind of dope and then okay also, yeah but also what was your take on the whole philly soul movement that birth you know we had the roots exploding music exploding a jaguar right yeah. i mean and then also at the same yeah. time eve was blowing up with rough riders as well right like they all came out of the studio i was in right after me like so I, when i was on tour they all you know gravitated to larry goals and all that stuff like and then like the guys that james poiser and vidal from vidal and dre like some of those guys were my band and like i took on the road with me you know what i mean mm. uh for the whitehead brothers I, i'm not trying to be funny i mean you don't because they don't really talk about it like as their beginnings you know, if we if we had been known to sell like ten billion zillion copies on the show, we'd be up in the bio like that. You right. know what I mean? Yeah, but yeah. Like dancers and my dancers and it's, it's a few people who keep it real and keep it loyal and say, "Man, I got my start with the Whitehead right. brothers." But it's, it leaves a lot for me to explain because the people that's out there and this and that, you know, sometimes they just you know they want to start from the from the from the from the um. The rich part. <laughs> right. And then also, I, I forgot to mention, Jill Scott also was blowing up at that time, too. And I think Jazzy Jeff at A Touch of Jazz was mm -hmm. doing some work with her yeah. before she blew up and put out Who is Jill Scott on Hidden Beach. Right. Jill, Jill, um, you know, like I said, a lot of these, a lot of these people came through right behind me. So I didn't know them per se like like i said dope, dope dudes like james poiser who did who worked all on jill scott plays on jimmy fallon with the roots i know him you know what i mean and i he was my musical director and and videl who produced michael jackson and eve when he, he did butterflies videl and dre videl was my drummer on the road you know what i mean mm -hmm. i looked out i looked out for them as 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 a you know a, a boss on the road not looked out for them and they you know what i mean but like when we were on the road, I made sure every, I wasn't, even though, and it's funny, man, I ain't really had no fun like that. Like, you know, a lot of people be like, you know, you're the lead singer, you should be chilling, waiting for your time to, you know what I mean? Waiting for your chance to go on and, oh, I'm chilling in the room and you gotta pull three girls off of me. And nah, I was always available for people. Anybody have any problems, I'm there in my room. I'm making sure everybody's safe. We need have bodyguards man we ain't have bodyguards why your brothers never have bodyguards you know i told my brother anything going on we gonna we gonna tear some shit up that's how right that's we, we, we gonna handle it and everybody yeah so also i want to get right. your take on two things i'm going to get you on that here what was your take on philly hip-hop exploding when you had freeway 
and Beanie Siegel linking up with The Rock and the whole state property movement? Well, like I said, my connection to, to my connection to that, and 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 just to, and just to say, so I don't glaze over um, our affiliation, so because that's another movement too with the with the state and the rock, and that I was very proud of. But just so I don't feel like so I'm saying like I'm glazing over the Philly so much. Shout out to the Music Soul Child. You know, he used to work at Burger King. My cousin used to manage it, man. You know, a lot of people came from humble beginnings. Like I said, I cut hair. Lisa's working in a clothing store. Um, a lot of stories and you know um, that whole and like they said they all gravitated towards the studio I was in and so I knew about them and I knew about um, their movements and this and that I wasn't around but I would run into here and there and those so shout out to that whole movement that came out of Philly keeping Philly alive now we talking late 90s early 2000s I mean, like maybe what was that? Two thousand two and two thousand. Yeah, yeah. My my high school well, you got the state era, property. Man. The, state, the state property. property what hand you roll oh, up with? Yeah. What hand you? That's cousin E too. Shout out to cousin E, man. Oh, so that's Shout your cousin? cousin e. That was that was saying ABL man. They pulled. No, up. no, no. That's his. That's that's his name. Oh, that's his cousin name for e. real. You know oh. what I mean? Yeah, oh. that's yeah, that's that's cousin. What e you name. say, E? But who I was? What you say, what, E? What do you say? What, what you, you say? say? He talking to you, baby boy. See, <laughs> state property. Baby if you boy. haven't seen it, it's a classic. It's like butter, baby. This is classic, man. Like butter, baby. Um, who do I know from out that clip? Well, of course, you know. Um, well, I know cousin E and all, but I know if you ever hear Beanie rapping, he says every day. I think. Um, Every day I think uh, Deke and Rolla for introducing me to Hova. So Sadiq is my man who was talking about. That's my that's my OG. You know what I mean? Sadiq and I, we done did we done did business to, like, you know what I mean, music business together. You know, Jay Jay used to love that dude. I'll be with him all the time. Jay Z if you call him up, like Jay loved Sadiq. Great, great dude. And then Rolla, which I Knew a little bit, Rolla, from, from like the hood and stuff, but Rolla passed away. But um, that whole era, and I was with Sadiq a lot, and he was he was managing them at some point or doing some type of, you know, work for him. But I was with him, and we was out L.A. getting money and stuff. But I was very proud. I mean, I get on the plane. I be playing my... You know, I put Philly on my back wherever I go. In Brooklyn, they call me Philly. Phil, they call me... Cause I, you know, a lot of people be like, "Oh, you left the hood, you leave." No, I've been leaving the hood since I was a kid, but I still spent enough time there to say that's why I get down there. And y'all lucky, I put when people see me looking like this in New York, they be like, "Oh, you got the freeway beer." They used to say that. They used to look at it as a freeway beer. They yeah. didn't even know it was a Suna or Philly or everybody got these, and they be like, "It's a free." And I had to put up, you know, I had to take it on my back. I'm like, "This is it's, it's dope that you say that." I never did free, free is a cool dude. So I went, like, ain't no damn freeway. I'm like, yeah, that's what you know it as. That's that's right, freeway repping it. But we got everybody got these. <laughs> you know what I mean? All right. And the last thing I want to leave with: um, what are you currently working on mm -hmm. right now? And uh, where can people find any music that you got? Well, right now we have a show. We right now it's operation take over Europe, man. Take over London. I got I got a lot of DJs. I got a lot of. Uh, focus and power in on London, the UK period. You know, we did actually two live tours, my brother and I, because I know everybody, and this, I, this is, I, I done brought up a lot of things. I just want to 
people for it, but I've just been being nice about it. <laughs> you know what I think? Like, you know your crap here? Yes. Other Americans need to get like you. You almost like a Brit, you almost like a European guy with your knowledge, you know what I mean? Because a lot of us here, we don't forgot about everything, man. You know what I mean? We don't mm -hmm. forgot about the soul. We got Europe and places in Japan even. But now this is one thing I, I, I really resent. When people are like, you can't make it here, you can always go over there. They like everything. Go ahead and try it. Go ahead and try it. I want to see you when you get booed off the stage thinking they like everything. They like what they like. The problem is they don't let what they like go. They don't let it go like we do. They keeping our old 70s music alive. And they got and they got enough room and space in they in their in their musical home to even like the young stuff and in the, in the pop smoke and the you know and all that stuff. They even like that. But they got enough room. So so it wasn't like we didn't blow up here. Oh all of a sudden, we blew up in England. Oh, let's go get on that. No, we did two tours there with bands, like I just mentioned, Jill Scott, people, James Poyser, and all those people from Philly I took on the road with me two times. That means each each tour was like a month or so, you know what I mean? Mm. Or so or more. Two times I took them out. So when you put in that work, Germany, Amsterdam, Sweden, Holland, this, I mean, you know, I say Amsterdam, but, you know, uh, Copenhagen and, you know, Passport is nice. Two times. So Got a bunch of stamps when on. you put in that word, we never went on a, we never, and we never went, we never did a live show in America, like a, with a live band. Wow. Okay. So we, 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 we gained a lot, a lot of fans and a lot of supporters and people who've been busting and, and banging our record for, you know, in, in, in Europe, know what I just heard on the phone with uh, DJs, top DJs, every, they said, 187 is like ribbon in the sky from intro or or, or forever my lady Jodeci or 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 uh, uh nice and slow usher. That's what it is over here. Because y'all came over here and y'all put in a proper work, y'all did tours, the DJs dug it, y'all showed love, y'all, you know what I mean? And it paid off. Mm -hmm. It was like it worked. So out throughout that Germany everywhere. So that's what I'm doing now. I got an event coming up out of twenty something years of not being back. You know, all those artists, all, all those artists have been back to England. I haven't been back, so I'm not coming back there to just make a little, little fart and leave. You know what I mean? I'm, I'm coming back that joint. I got all the man. I'm not even playing. Uh, you know, we got the who's this? Hold on, hold on, man. We got, we got the. Can you see me? Yeah. Sorry. We got the. I got the DJs in pocket, man. Um, we got an event. I'm part of an entertainment company. You still hear me? Somebody yeah, I can still hear you. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, I'll be off until they just, I mean, I'll be, my face will be off until they stop uh, ringing. But I'm a part of a company called Strictly Sophisticated. And my company, which everybody can get down with, man, and, and look up, and, and it's an open invitation for all feral people. It's called Lifestyle Corp. So we got a sold out event coming up. We're going to, you know, we're going to, we're going to do what we can do throughout COVID if it, if it, you know, we've had to we've had to reschedule before, but the key is is that I'm back in touch with England. So December twelfth at the Wembley Lounge, uh, strictly sophisticated. People look at and follow me at Kenny Whitehead on all social media. At Kenny Whitehead is no underscores or no nothing. Um, 
you should see me up there, and then you'll see the events. So December 12th in London. We'll see what happens. See, if it doesn't, if it happens or not, we're still going to keep the energy going with the people because once I commit to something and come back, I'm back, and we're going to keep doing it, even if I got to fly a jet out there or do whatever. But um, we got that going. Lifestyle Corp is the brand that's connected with it. We're going to do a New Year's joint out there. And I'm focusing on London because they deserve it. You know, I wish everybody in the States were like you and knew they crap and, and really, but America's starting to show me a little bit more. And it ain't like, oh, I ain't appreciate us. It ain't like that. It's just like, I've been sitting around in America for, for 20 something years, you know what I mean? Now all of a sudden when, when London is like, yo, y'all like triple platinum over this joint in outside of the UK, Sheffield, Birmingham, shout out to Sheffield, Birmingham, you know, uh, uh, warmest, um, um, not uh, not warmest, um, freaking Wolverhampton and 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 places like that that um we 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 toured and got down with and it's so stop playing with that England likes everything. I want to see the next person that says England likes any old thing. Now let me bring you over and put you on stage and I'll be like, because England English British people are very honest. Yeah, you saw how Simon was brutally honest when he first came on American Idol. So yeah. try it if you want to. Yeah, think that that's an excuse for y'all because you don't want to make some type of cop out like if you can't make it there. Well, I haven't been back there in 20-something years and my brother can't come back, but I'm bringing back on my back. Whitehead brothers, man. And they lifted us up and I'm going to go pay my respects to them outside of England, Germany. You know, and I know people who've been doing shows everywhere and all that stuff. You know what I mean? But but it was supposed to happen like it is, man. And I definitely want to get you involved in, in some of that action over there, man, that I got going on. Because I got, man, I got 200 foot soldiers over that joint. Okay, okay, and they not okay. no joke. And they ready to go. And they and they got bread over there. They got they ready to go. They on top of the game with the DJ moves and all that. Man. All right, okay. So, so, so December 12th, England, yeah. get your tickets, save your pounds, save whatever currency you use, get there, because it's going to be fire early. You already plugged your social. It's Kenny yes. Whitehead, all social. And you can catch this interview on all streaming platforms, video content on YouTube, youtube.com slash J5. And do you have any shout-outs you want to give before we close? Well, you know, I'm gonna give a shout out to. Uh, first of all, I'm gonna give a shout out to you and your show, brother. You know, give a shout out to Jarrell, uh Mason, man, and 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 the uh, Beyond the Album Cover show, brother. You know what I mean? I like to give a shout out to you and a and a big thank you for having me. And a shout out to the Whitehead family, man. My rest in peace to my to my mother Anita Whitehead, my father and his partner, you know, McFadden and Whitehead, and and my brother Jay Step who. You know, was involved in a lot of those stories I just told, and my sister Dawn, and and everybody in Philly, Brooklyn, London, shout out Germany, and everybody, man, North Carolina, you know, and and and, and shout out to everybody, man. We'll we'll as long as I'm as I'm here, I'm a, I'm gonna deliver. I'm swinging back around, so don't don't sleep on me. You know what I mean? I you know what I mean? People be thinking they ain't here. You you somewhere with a crack pipe or something in your mouth? You're gonna be surprised because we got a lot of love to give. And that's what I'm trying to do, show love. I'm out here trying to show love. There's nothing to prove. I'm going to show people how to show love because you don't have enough love to get. Like, you have a lot of love to give, man. And you're giving all of us love and all of us artists, and we appreciate you, man. You you mentioned a lot of my friends that you've already 
have spoken to and everything. So big up to you and shout out to you too, brother. I uh, appreciate shout it. Shout out to Gamla Hub, Philly International, and my whole Philly squad. Yeah, I'm just trying to spread love. It's not the Brooklyn way like Biggie said. It's the worldwide way. Ladies and gentlemen, beyond the <laughs> album cover, Mr. Kenny Whitehead. Kenny, thank you so very much for taking the time and doing this interview. Got to do it again. Thank you, all right? Yes, most definitely.